0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: to the December 27, 2013 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, the philosophy behind the uniquely American sense of life, the sense of life of those who believe we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of your own individual happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and joining me here very soon will be cartoonist Bosch Faustin, I hope it gets in quickly because one of the first things I'd like to do is a little bit follow a little follow-up on last week's debate between Bosch and your own Brooke. But let me take one minute to thank someone who's a listener to this show and just sent a contribution. Craig sent a very nice contribution to the show, which I am going to use to purchase new audio equipment. Um, i don 't know if you guys know what my little setup is. I talk about the sausage sometimes, but basically what i 've been using is a blue yeti pro u s b microphone, and I do have a little kind of pop filter on on the front of it because I tend to make all the horrible noises <laughs> that people criticize uh and that 's what... not as
0: much as they criticize me though this is bosch by the way
1: yeah but bosch you don 't make all the little pfft, pfft, Whatever the sounds are.
0: (laughs) at least yours are clear. If I do, them, they say, what's he saying? Is he saying something? I
1: I articulate my... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you articulate them better. So we we have this, and I think the microphone gives good sound, and we use a Skype hookup to blog talk, and I think all that's good. But one thing that I've been doing, and I'm going to be doing it here in a minute, is playing you audio clips by holding my laptop up to the microphone, and I've been talking about getting a USB mixer forever and ever but that also requires getting a new microphone and if you're going to get a decent microphone it's a substantial investment so it'd be not only this. so I'm going to do those couple of things thanks very much to Craig sending thanks, the Mike. donation it might actually be a couple of weeks before it arrives I saw my little order and it might not be until a week or two into January before I actually see the microphone itself right. it's a it's an 80k microphone which I think will be comparable to the microphone that Leonard Peikoff uses to record right. his podcast. So people told me I sounded better there. Hopefully yeah. I'll sound better with this new setup, but we'll keep you posted. And thanks again, Craig. Okay, so now that Bosch is here, welcome. Welcome, thank you. <laughs> you wanted to do a little bit of a follow-up on last week's debate. but By the way, let's, let's talk about the title of the show because we're going to do a quick follow-up on last week, but today we're going to be focusing on a whole bunch of other stuff. The title is, our government doesn't care whether we're naughty or nice. A little play on Santa. Santa watches all the little girls and boys, knows everything about them according to the and parents. Yeah, I, th- I think Santa is just like a little, you know, background to the parents, <laughs> the parents trying to keep their kids in check, you know, if you're if you're naughty, Santa's not going to give you stuff, whatever. But Santa supposedly knows everything about all of what the little kids right. do. Now it's the NSA.
0: Yep. But judges those who are bad. Uh, NSA assumes we're all bad.
1: Right. Right. Our government assumes that everybody's bad, treats all of us equally bad. We're
0: all all as bad as government employees.
1: You know, the government basically actually punishes the good people and rewards the bad people right right now. That's what they're doing today. Not always, but there's all the programs that we criticize, the government programs that we criticize. They are taking away from the good and productive people and redistributing to the bad people. NSA, bulk data collection, indiscriminate, doesn't care whether you're naughty or nice. So I figured I'd play a little bit on that, and we will talk about those programs. But first, Bosch, you said you want to do a quick follow-up on the yeah, debate?
0: Well, quick, i got about a half hour. No.
1: <laughs>
0: I think I'm joking, but I can speak about you, it. You are joking. For, I can speak about it for an hour or two, I mean, literally, uh, the, uh, the follow-up. Because when you're in the debate, I mean, you're trying to figure out how to be as clear as you can with yours, and you don't want, you don't want to uh, interrupt your opponent in, in the debate. There were a number of things that Jeroen said that I, I take exception to, clearly takes exception to, to mine, that I didn't get a chance to uh, follow up on. But, uh, you know, the, the idea that, you know, who are we to say who's a Muslim and who's not? You know, if you're informed, if you know Islam, if you know the religion, you don't even have to be raised in, you know, uh, Muslim the way I was, you would know that Islam requires certain things of its followers to adhere to, or else they're not really Muslim. And his idea was basically, you know, anyone can be Muslim. You know, if they say they're Muslim, who am I to question that? We should question it. We should question it. And uh, I have a whole thing to talk about. Uh, People also assumed I think, from the debate that they – some people say, well, they lean a little more towards Jerome because he was willing to make a distinction between those who are at war with us and those who are not. And I've made that distinction clear for a a decade. And I've been very explicit about it. And there's a piece I wrote. I'm not going to read from it. I thought about reading from it. I won't called, uh, the original title was Non-Muslim Muslims and the Jihad Against the West and uh, the other title is My Name is Bosh and I'm a Recovered Muslim. You want to hear my thoughts, as comprehensive as I have ever put them, about Islam, Muslims, Jihad, Sharia law, everything that we're dealing with the war, please consider reading that piece because that's exactly what what I mean. I call the ones who are directly war with us jihadists. The rest are Muslims, whether they're practicing Muslims, whether they're uh, non-Muslim Muslims, and I, I stick to that to that term because I know many relatives of mine who eat pork, who have dogs, who treat their girlfriends with with, with respect, uh, who have even Jewish friends or who are, who are friendly to Jews. They're not Muslim by any way that Islam would, would would recognize them. And uh, I did want to actually read something from one Muslim about about the meaning of Islam and Islamic peace, if you don't mind.
1: Is it long? No. It's,
0: uh, it's, it's right there.
1: That's kind of long.
0: I think it's worth it, though, just just to state it about what a Muslim believes Islam actually requires uh, from Muslims.
1: Okay, well, go ahead and do it. If I can.
0: He says, basically, this is Bassam Tibi. He's an anti-Jihad, anti-Sharia law Muslim, meaning he's anti-Islam, but he still sticks to it for some reason. Who knows? Anyway, he says, uh, at its core, Islam is a a religious mission to all humanity, and not just to Muslims, but to all non-Muslims as well. Muslims are Muslims are religiously oblig, obliged to to disseminate the Islamic faith throughout the world. We have sent you forth to all mankind. You know that's what uh, it says I, in the Quran. Allah said, I guess, if non-Muslims submit to conversion or subjugation, this call dawah, which is like Islamic proselytization, can be pursued peacefully. If they do not, Muslims are obliged to wage war against them. In Islam, peace requires that non-Muslims Muslims submit to, to the call of Islam either by converting or by accepting the status of a religious minority, (dhimmi) and paying the imposed poll poll tax, Jizya. World peace, the final stage of the Dawah, is reached only with the conversion or submission of all mankind to Islam. Muslims believe that expansion through war is not aggression, but a fulfillment of the Quranic command to spread Islam as a way of peace. The resort to force to disseminate Islam is not war, Harb in Arabic, a word that is used only to describe the use of force by non-Muslims. Islamic wars are not harab, the, pl- the plural of harb, but rather fudahat, acts of quote-unquote quote, opening the world to Islam and expressing Islamic jihad. I got a few, uh, two more paragraphs probably worth. Uh, relations between Dar al-Islam, the home of peace, and Dar al-Harb, the world of unbelievers, nevertheless takes place in a state of war. According to the Quran and to the authoritative commentaries of Islamic jurists, Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Unbelievers who stand in the way, creating obstacles for the dawah, are blamed for this state of war. For the dawah can be pursued peacefully if others submit to it. He goes. In other words, those who resist Islam cause wars and are responsible for them. And I repeat, those who resist Islam cause wars and are responsible for them. And I got this quote from uh, Andrew Balsam's book, The Legacy of Jihad, and. Um,
1: that's page 328. You said 328. The
0: book. Okay, so so, so so basically, you know, the, the 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 gist after debate is this: that I, just as anyone can claim to be Muslim, whether he practices Islam, you know, Islam or not. I'm sorry, I was use use the whole thing, but anyway, I'll just say Islam is peace after this joke. No, but no, uh, the whole thing is that um, Islam has a very specific set of ideas that Muslims must follow if they're going to call themselves Muslims. And if they don't follow them, if they flout everything about Islam, they're not Muslim. So you can't just say, well, he says he's Muslim, therefore I have to respect that, and that's that. It's like an objectivist saying, yeah, I'm an objectivist. I'm not honest, and I lie, you know, and I'm, I have no integrity, but you know what? I'm an objectivist, and that's that. It's silly. It really is, and um, that's the one big problem I have with everyone's position when it comes to, well, who am I to say what Muslims are? We need to say that. We need to recognize, and that's part of the war that that we're in. We need to recognize who is and who isn't a Muslim.
1: I mean, here's the thing. Suppose you are ignorant about Islam, and again... Then
0: if you are, you shouldn't talk about it. That's one thing I I made sure. Post 9-11, I studied everything, get my hands on the Quran, everything about Islam, books about the Quran, books about jihad, before I went out there and spoke about it. You need to know your stuff before you do it.
1: Okay. But suppose your job is just to say, okay, who is our enemy in this war and then you say okay well i'm going to have this term to designate you know people who are our enemies in military context mm. and who are not then my point was that if you're going to do that at least what you should do is not choose a term that gives islam yes. a pass
0: and not create Wait, terms. don't
1: don't give islam a pass that's Absolutely. my biggest thing that's the so whole thing that, but he he thinks if you you know, win the war militarily, yeah, then it's, it's over. It's a whole but it's, but, but again, you sent me that quotation, Bosh, yeah, from Leonard right. Peikoff's piece. It was End States yes, and Sponsor Terrorism.
2: Yes, and he and
1: Leonard said that the war is primarily, it's an intellectual battle. Absolutely. So I, I would say, yeah, go ahead and have your term to designate your military targets, but don't choose a term that is going to give this religion a pass. I mean, own is an atheist. Yeah. He speaks out against the values that are portrayed in religion all the time. Islam is as, as bad or worse than any other religion, and no. Islam hasn't been reformed the way no. these other mainstream religions have. So, and and own himself I said it needs to be reformed. So, to... So, so why not just be very conscious, choose your term to designate your military targets, and those are only the ones who are initiating force against us, as motivated by the religion, but just choose it, a, yeah. not to inhibit the cultural Don't war. concoct yeah.
0: terms. That's also, it. jihad, jihadists these are terms. Someone asked here, how would I define the concept of Muslim? It doesn't matter how I would define it. Islam defines it as Islam's slaves, Allah's slaves. They're supposed to submit everything they got to Allah and his wishes. That's it. That's what a Muslim is. He's supposed to be a robot to Islam. That Those are his orders. He's supposed to follow them. If he doesn't, how can he really be a true Muslim? And he really can't. And that's why I, I, I use the term, however sloppy some may think, non-Muslim Muslims. They call themselves Muslims, but they don't practice it at all. Anyway, thank you for your indulgence, everyone. Uh, r- despite you know, the, uh, the, uh, our, our conflict with the debate, I think it was, I think it was important. And Yeroun did concede the, f- the, the idea that he might be willing to use the term jihad and jihadist, which is important to me. Very important, and to the war.
1: Well, and I, yeah, I do. I, th- I think it's important to the ultimate success. But I don't know. We'll let we'll let own go ahead and put his own ideas. If you look on Twitter, they did a little bit of follow up debate after yeah. last week's show as I, well. I have a link to
0: it on my on my blog from the link to the to the debate.
1: So let's go ahead in the grand tradition of Monty Python, and now for something completely different. <laughs> and I found a link to a video of Edward Snowden's alternative christmas message that was broadcast by channel four in england apparently i guess it was given as a answer to the queen's christmas message so let me see again in our little sausage way that we do it here i'm going to play you this message from the laptop i think the audio is pretty good judging on what i uh, got earlier today let's see alternative christmas message 2013 it says hi and merry christmas
2: I'm honored to have a chance to speak with you and your family this year. Recently we learned that our governments working in concert have created a system of worldwide mass surveillance watching everything we do. Great Britain's George Orwell warned us of the danger of this kind of information. The types of collection in the book, microphones, and video cameras, TVs that watch us, are nothing compared to what we have available today. We have sensors in our pockets that track us everywhere we go. Think about what this means for the privacy of the average person. A child born today will grow up with no conception of privacy at all. They'll never know what it means to have a private moment to themselves. And unrecorded, unanalyzed thought. And that's a problem because privacy matters. Privacy is what allows us to determine who we are and who we want to be. The conversation occurring today will determine the amount of trust we can place both in the technology that surrounds us and the government that regulates it. Together we can find a better balance and mass surveillance. And remind the government that if it really wants to know how we feel, asking is always cheaper than spying. For everyone out there listening, thank you and Merry Christmas.
1: So what do you think?
0: Well, that was better than any address Obama has ever given us. (laughs) You know, I give him that, you know, despite what anyone thinks about this guy, I mean, he's a traitor, this and that, look, he gave us important information about what our government's up to. Uh, They're up to worse than we even knew. And he let us know that. So that's a a value.
1: I was actually surprised to see a video by him given that he's kind of hiding out in Russia, but I, I thought that was good now. I
0: think he can't wait to get out there in some way. So this is an opportunity, you know, some way. To get out there.
1: Well, I mean, think about this. Just watch every um, movie. Makes. Yeah, imagine that you gave up probably being able to live in the United States uh-huh. ever for the rest of your life. You gave that up, and you're on the run, basically, yep. in another country. And the idea that it might all be for naught—that
2: right. people right. are
1: just going to forget he's, about it—that they it. don't right. really think that privacy is that valuable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, he's reminding everyone. of of what's going on and and urging us not to let this go to actually be don't let it go don't let it go actually be concerned about it it was interesting because someone posted this on facebook and tried to be neutral about it basically saying well what's the big deal what i mean we don't have any privacy why do why do we care so much (sighs) about privacy why is privacy important and i think it is worth I want people. to know what
0: that person does and says and thinks and everything at his home. I, w- I want a camera following that well, guy he, everywhere he goes.
1: He was just trying to put the question out there in a neutral way no, but you to can't. get people to answer it.
0: What I'm saying is uh, that guy should be followed uh, with a camera, with, with you know, attached to his head following him everywhere he goes, because it doesn't well, matter, right? what Private Snowden
1: team? says, I mean, that's what's going on right now. Here is your cell phone, right? Your cell yeah. phone goes with you everywhere. Yeah. Your cell phone has microphone. Your cell phone has one or two cameras on yeah. it. Right. Right? Um, I mean, basically, at a certain point, you might say, you never want one of these things near you ever. <laughs> Certainly, you don't want GPS tracking and all these different things. No. It's, it's it's a big question, but here's the question: What is the value of privacy? If, if I say to you, Bosh, what's the value of privacy to you?
0: Well, I mean, it's just it's, it's important. I mean, I have my own life that I want to live, you know, and I mean, I don't I don't need to let everyone know what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, where I am. I want to live as free as I possibly can, as free as I possibly can. I mean, you probably probably have a different. Uh, Exactly. Well,
1: I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I say that that's maybe a bit too vague. And if you remember, I did that course in summer of 2012 oh, yeah. about privacy. It's called Toward a Society of Privacy. I have a link to it over at my blog at DontLetItGo.com. If you look at the program notes for today's show, I have a link to the course. You can get it very cheap. It's a download for two $2.75. $2. Yeah. $2. It's
0: a few hours, a couple hours.
1: At the uh, Ayn Rand yes. Institute. And the whole first hour of the course is talking about the nature and value of privacy. What is the value of privacy to human life?
0: In terms of creation also, I think you, uh, you covered Howard work and his creations. I mean, it's just it's powerful stuff. It's great, great points. But I want to say, you, li- you live your life and you want to have the freedom to do whatever you want to do in a privacy of your own home. I mean, in a privacy of wherever, I mean, wherever you are. And uh, how, how was it? What was it? It was... Um, Jobs, uh, was Wozniak,
1: mm-hmm. about
0: working, each individual worked in their own private area. Then yeah, they came out basically, basically the,
1: the, yeah. how the kind of open style workplace where everybody is just in open air cubicles right. doesn't right. lend to productivity as well as if people can go shut themselves into an office and co-mingle with the others. With and the then choose others. to go out. Oh, yeah, choose to go out and it, at intervals. It for and, that
0: time, and yeah. then go back to work.
1: Right. Right. And, and
0: a privacy of their own space.
1: So, so basically, I talk about various links to productivity, to learning.
0: Also, uh, just whining.
1: Human relationships.
0: Wine, Gail wine and the character in The Fountainhead, going to his gallery. Right. You know? Nobody sees that. I don't even think the guy who takes care of things outside, even walks in and sees it. You know what I mean? Right. That's how private it was. That's but, how but, important it was to him.
1: But, yeah, in the, in the course, I have examples both from Rand's fictional writings yeah. and... Real-life examples. Uh, There's also that book that was called Quiet, where I took a lot of examples from. So anything that contributes to human learning and productivity, I would say, is a good thing.
2: And And there has been time time time. and
1: again studies showing the link between privacy. For instance, they talked about violinists who engaged in practice on their own, in solitude, and how that contributed much more to them improving their abilities than practice with other people, uh, et cetera. And this is part of the thing, reason that we think the progressive education and, in particular, the common core curriculum is so evil. Instead of having kids read individually right. to themselves, everything's in group, 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 group. And they're going to dumb everybody in, down that in way. In terms
0: of drawing also, I, I remember as, as a kid I, I drew everywhere. More or less, I drew outside of art class. I drew in the privacy of my own home, you know, what I mean, of my own room. That's where I was able to really be as creative as I possibly can. In class, it was always I was always conscious about self-conscious people coming over trying to say, Hey, 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 can you draw this? Can you draw that? I didn't like that at all. People expecting you to do certain things in front of a whole crowd. Personally, I just, you know, I I, I thought the best art I, I did was on my own, privately.
1: No, yeah, I mean, if you can't sit there and have the freedom to make mistakes. Yeah then you know and writing as well i think that with writing you would never want people to see your first draft live shows are a little crazy because you've got sausage going on it's not a a finished polished product so sometimes you're going to mess up
0: one example also i was doing a talk about Islam jihad and uh, i I walked up and i drew muhammad in front of the uh, audience and that was probably the worst drawing i've done of muhammad even though i put the (laughs) i put the the turban i put the whole thing i put the the horns the devil horns but it was a damn bad drawing considering Right. It is what it is. I mean, they, they got the point. Right. But that's just an interesting thing. Also, it's also the fact of drawing Muhammad. you know, if, 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 if in front of a crowd. it's uh, You're not supposed to draw him. and right. sure is not supposed to draw him in front of a crowd.
1: Right, right. No, I mean, I think there was a lot of pressure on you yeah. at that point. You could draw other things in <laughs> other contexts. I've seen you, for instance, draw oh, yeah. a superhero in yeah, front of a yeah. little kid or oh, something. No that's, that's a whole different thing. Absolutely. But, yeah, I, and, and I think that's, that's the whole point, that definitely having the ability to work out your thoughts Mm -hmm. In secret, privately, before you expose them to the world and the scrutiny out there gives you the ability to go ahead and edit and tailor your message. You know, we are not omniscient and we are certainly not... you know, free of, free of error. We are prone to make errors. And the idea that every single thought that you have or any right. little note that you jot down could be broadcast out to the world right. and scrutinized and evaluated, I think that would definitely inhibit people. Yes. Right? You know, I mean... Also, that,
0: it, it, it could cripple uh, uh, um, them. Like uh, some comic book writers send out ideas on Twitter and stuff. Well, I'm working on this story here and there. I'm send it out there to the point of he's like, that's just stupid. Work it out because you're going to get feedback on nothing that that's not even produced yet. That's right. not even good. Right. So then not say, oh yeah, you know you're right. I'll I'll reconsider that. That's just stupid. Write your story on your own. If you have some close knit friends who could look at it after it's semi you know polished, okay. Yeah. Silly.
1: No, and and it won't be valuable feedback at all. It will just inhibit your thought process. So it's much better to work out as best as you can by yourself before exposing anybody else. So anyway, go check out the course. I talk about a lot of different examples, like I said, from musicians to computer programmers and other people. Definitely more productive when they have privacy. And since productivity is the way that we survive as human beings, Privacy is essential for human life. No doubt about it. It is essential. Now, it's not just, of course, productivity. It's also human relationships and other things. I was in terms of things. freedom. I mean, I mean yeah. the first
0: thing came to mind was just freedom. Freedom to, you know, be in that privacy of your own home, in your own room, whatever you want to do. But then, of course, yeah, the practical application is absolutely, you know, productivity. Nothing productivity gets in the way. Productivity
1: and the enjoyment of values yeah. are really the two things that, the you, creation. that that you need to look at there. So it's super important. And Snowden, of course, didn't really no. make those links in his message. He's,
0: he's not a philosopher. You know, he's not. He's, I mean, he's not a. He's not a – I'm not sure exactly what he is, but he's he's a value because he has, again, let us know about something that our government is up to that's no damn good, which we would not have known otherwise.
1: Definitely. Now, there is a new ruling today. If, if you recall, we talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago. There was a U.S. District Court judge who said that the spying that the NSA does likely violates – the Fourth Amendment. Um, he and, w-
0: sorry, you know who reeled against that? Who did? John Bolton. Oh, John Bolton. John Bolton again strikes again. He strikes out again.
1: Yeah, and he w- he'll be very happy at this new ruling. There's yeah, a brand okay. new ruling out today. I've got a story from the Wall Street Journal. It says, Judge says NSA phone surveillance is legal. Another judge? So this is another district. This is actually another circuit. So the other judge, Leon, was in the D.C. Circuit, a federal district judge at the level, you know, the district judge level in the D.C. Circuit. This judge is in the second circuit, which encompasses New York. He's a district judge in New York. And he says he his came, name
0: is. He came to the rescue of the, of the program.
1: Judge William H. Pauley III. Third. <laughs> Who knows what the uh-huh. NSA's got on this the guy? I'm wondering what the guy, Wait, NSA's the got third? on this guy. The oh, third? Oh, the third. The third. The third. I thought it was the third. He's in Manhattan, and he says that the collection is legal, and he dismissed a significant short, uh, court challenge to the practice. This was a, a suit filed by the ACLU, if people are following what they have been doing. He has said that the bulk data collection program is, quote, a vital tool hmm. to combat terrorism.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have proven, right, that all these NSA, uh, the 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 has stopped. How many terrorist acts so far? I haven't seen None.
1: A single case. And they have a the case. They say there's a number of cases, they and then 50. when asked to name one,
0: one, one of them claims 50. They say, okay, we're, uh, well, we haven't had the, uh, we don't have the uh, papers approved. proof
1: <laughs> And about then Obama day, right?
0: also pulled, pulled it the old day as right, well, and someone actually right. questioned them about it, and, I mean, he, and he never answered.
1: It's it still goes down to whether they have the right to indiscriminately collect. Data. Of
0: course, they it, 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 this, even regardless of if they can find, because the fact so yeah, is, if you focus, yeah, sometimes
1: find something, right? Exactly, but right. They,
0: how they find it through some, you know, illegal means.
1: We we need the uh, ability to profile and do all those kind of things. But anyway, he says this is the this surveillance program is the government's quote counter punch against the diffuse networks that connect modern terrorist groups such as Al Qaeda. Hmm. So that basically, this is the only way that we can defeat them.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, That's the only way. Yeah, and, yeah. and,
1: and you know, basically he's – I haven't read the ruling yet, but I'm sure he's just – yeah, it says that he cited third-party doctrine. Here it is. I haven't read it yet, but here's – in the Wall Street Journal story, it says that he cited the 1979 Supreme Court decision, okay. Smith versus Maryland. Smith versus Maryland is when the Supreme Court said that the third-party doctrine encompasses the so-called – you know, metadata, the telephone metadata that existed at that point in time, which was just the number that you dialed basically but from your I house. So much uh, that in that case, the, you know, the court held that we have no legitimate or reasonable expectation of privacy concerning those phone numbers. Why? Because we share the phone number with the company, the telephone company when we dial it. So once you share something with a third party, forget it. Yeah. It can go to the government. Why do you care? Why should you care? Ridiculous. Again, I think contract rights should trump any of that garbage and that the government should need probable cause, particularized suspicion in order to get around that. So
0: Wait, the- I'm shocked. It was appointed by by Bush. I'm shocked.
1: But I think the other guy was appointed by Bush too, the Leon guy.
0: Okay. Well, well that was a a good mistake on his part then. Okay. <laughs>
1: but you I know, know, I know. The the thing the thing that really kind of screws it all up is that both judges now here this guy, you know, he's explicitly you 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 would expect this judge to explicitly cite the third party doctrine, the reasonable expectation yeah. of privacy standard, all the stuff that's there, right? Yeah, and and the that's what that's what the count. government's been relying upon. The other judge says basically that the third-party doctrine shouldn't apply to modern cell phone use, but he still uses the reasonable expectation of Mm. privacy standard. And he doesn't call necessarily for the third-party doctrine to be completely overturned. I think in order to make real progress, we are going to need to get rid of that third-party doctrine. The hopeful thing for me, and you know, if you read my article over at PJ media, which is called don't tread on my metadata, you'll know that this is true. Um, what you have over there is Justice Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor. She is calling for a reconsideration of the third-party doctrine. And I'm hoping that however these two judges bumble and whatever, you know, one of them says that they're applying the current law and says that this is constitutional. The other one says they're applying the current law, but the current law really needs to be rejiggered in order to handle today's cell phones because today's cell phones... Convey a lot more information about us in terms of metadata than the old telephones in the 70s used to convey. That was the guy's message. However, this case is punted up to the Supreme Court. I'm hoping that Sotomayor and the other justices who want to reconsider the third party doctrine are ready to do so. What's the
0: basis that she would uh, oppose this in all seriousness? She's a leftist. She's a leftist hack.
1: She. Well, a lot of the a lot of the people on the left don't like government intrusion into privacy.
0: I mean, they like government intrusion everywhere else, everywhere else. Obamacare, everything. She supports that. I mean, this is so. What, you know what I mean, where's the contradiction? But, but what's again, what's so, the point? So,
1: so, so I think maybe in their
0: own lives, maybe yeah. they have something to hide. I mean, I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, it doesn't make sense. It's not consistent. It's not rational. Uh,
1: well, w- really, we think it's not consistent, not rational. What the leftists have tried to do for over a hundred years, basically is to say that we're going to go ahead and violate property Absolutely. and contract rights but all over the place. Yeah. And so let's have the, you know, we, but we don't like when government really intrudes on our private stuff, yeah. you know, and we know that people, I mean, I hope Snowden's right that people care about this, but um, you know, people don't like having government intruding on their privacy. They're jealous of their privacy. Yes. That's, you know, the thought that at least was the thought of the left. So he said, okay, well, let's have this distinct right to privacy. It used to be that property and contract could protect privacy for you, but we want to get rid of those. So let's have privacy do the job. And so that they have been very consistent in but, protecting basically whatever they want.
0: Yes, that's what I'm saying. It, what, it, whatever it's freedom totally you arbitrary. want is under privacy. But also this, this abortion b- under
1: privacy, yes, even though it makes no sense. But this
0: Sotomayor, she doesn't have a rational great argument against it. How the hell can she really fight it if it comes up again? On what basis will she say it? Uh, I don't like this particular one. And someone says, well, how about about this one? Doesn't that conversation? Well, I'm just saying, I I just don't like that particular one. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I mean, they have to have a great fight against it in order to actually take it out. And someone like her, I doubt she does.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Judge Leon. The Wall Street Journal article is recalling says that phone technology and the ways in which phone usage is tracked have changed so much yeah. since 1979. Look,
0: iPhone, please. It's it, everything phone. I mean, that's yeah. what it, it should be called.
1: Yeah, you can't use it anymore to evaluate the NSA program. No 30. No, you know, the third-party doctrine should no longer apply. Polly instead said this new judge in New York says that while people may use their telephones in different ways now quote their relationship with their telecommunications providers has not changed the fact that there are more calls placed does not undermine the supreme court's finding that a person has no subjective expectation of privacy in telephony metadata <clears> <throat> i mean they just declare it they say once you share it okay. you no longer expect privacy but what if you do expect privacy yeah. who are they to I'm, say what we do it about it and like, don't expect don't
0: worry about it. it's like what
1: <sighs> this is this is really trampling bad trampling
0: over i mean it
1: just um you know, the, it, it, Vacuums up information. He just, he just doesn't care. He says, that is by design, as it allows the NSA to detect relationships so attenuated and ephemeral, they would otherwise escape notice. Absolutely. And then he invokes September 11th. Yeah. What a jerk. Yeah. As the September 11th the attacks demonstrate, the cost of missing such a thread can be horrific. Oh, yeah, because that's what prevented them from knowing about these guys. And right?
0: also Boston. I mean, people, you know, it's like, it's like that idiot uh, Rice, uh, what's his name, who works for uh, Obama, said – the last attack was 9/11, so Boston doesn't matter. The Fort Hood attack doesn't matter. You know how can we know from that? But this, it's just sloppy, is what it is. To look at everyone, you look at no one. It's like the TSA taking across, take, taking aside 80 year old women or little children, and not looking at that swarthy guy with a weird name, putting him aside. Instead, I mean, they just look at everyone. A, same thing with this, uh, with the, the surveillance programs. It's sloppy. It doesn't work. But they just want to pretend that we don't have a real specific problem
1: Nobody here. wants to give Anyone up power. Anyone can be they don't, th- th- This government does not want to give up power once it has it. So no. listen, listen to Pauly, this jerk. He says, the right to be free from searches and seizures is fundamental, but not absolute. But, yeah, but not but, absolute, end quote. Yeah, but, and, and because that's the only two yeah. options, right? Is that it's either going to be absolute or <laughs> right. non-existent.
2: Right.
1: We're not saying that the right is absolute. If you're going to have a government has to, you know, delegated to it the right to retaliate against the initiation of force. That's what we delegate to our government. The government is going to have to be able to compel the production of evidence in order to pursue the investigation of rights violators, of criminals, right? Government has to do that. So nobody... In, except for maybe an anarchist, is saying mm. that it's supposed to be absolute. Right. Nobody reasonable is saying that it's absolute.
0: Remember, uh, oh, sorry, Mark Levin had this uh, alleged counter-argument against uh, the right to privacy and whatnot. And well, people can do commit crimes in the privacy of their own home. They can, yeah, but those are crimes. That's not exactly. That's no, no,
1: no one is saying that you should be able to commit crimes in, in your own home and not have that's them detected. Stupid. and not, Right. Um, but what you need to have is you have a government of limited power that has restrictions on when it can compel the production of evidence against citizens or production of any data about citizens. The government has no business having my metadata none that's why I titled the thing. don't tread on my metadata that's what yep. anyway uh, no, great. The, you know th- this idea that it's supposed to be absolute, and i you can, you tell me that there's a better standard then having probable cause yeah. that the information requested, demanded probable cause that it is relevant to a crime that's been committed or is imminently going to be committed and particularized suspicion. You have to know that the particular people about whom you're getting this information are related to it. I, I don't see what, that there's a better way to parse that
2: these no, days. I, I don't see rashly. anything
1: better. You need to have some level of cause, some level of suspicion. Otherwise, you have no business. A government, if it doesn't have limited powers, what, it's going to have unlimited powers? Yeah, which just, is what they want, that, what they want that's, really. That's what they want. And, and they threaten us. They're not fighting a proper war.
0: Absolutely right. And, and they say, oh, to,
1: you don't want another September 11th, do you? Right. No, um, how about you know Obama? Obama, it, the, the news that I posted on Don't Let It Go Unheard, I didn't even include it in today's show, but just look at the kind of ways that our government sells out our interests and then wants to spy on us all the time. They will not, you know, Obama says he will veto any legislation, bipartisan legislation that, that's coming up right now, where they want to increase sanctions against Iran if Iran doesn't, you know, do certain things in these negotiations. It's still a bunch of garbage. It's still less than we should be doing, right? But here's, um, I think, at least 13 Democrats and 13 Republicans or whatever in the Senate. They put together this piece of legislation saying Iran... You better not be messing with us in this recent batch of negotiations. If this falls apart, you're going to have even tougher sanctions against you later. Obama's undercutting
0: that. Yeah. And Obama
1: says he will veto that. <laughs> Think about that. Obama favors Iran it's, it's like a, over bipartisan group of legislators in the Senate. In this who are trying to protect our interests.
0: In this context, Obama is a Muslim. He's an Iranian Muslim, in, you know, in, in particular. That's what he is, in this context. It's like, oh, if an if, if Iranian was president of the United States of America today, that's the same position he'd take. Yes. It's just it's, it's shocking.
1: Exactly, exactly. Jonathan Jonathan Honig here in the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio says that if our government fought and won a proper war on jihad, the whole, quote, terrorism justification for spying wouldn't exist. Absolutely. Yes, and I, I would hate to you know, put those motives you know, on top of our government right now and to just, you know, purport to tell them what their motive is. But right. imagine there was no war on terror Right. and the NSA couldn't do what well, there the, isn't. the TSA couldn't I mean, feel you up at the airport. There isn't and- any
0: war on terror. I mean, it's, it's it, I mean, there isn't. It's a term that they picked up after 9-11 because they don't want to fight a war. That's the, that's there. everything we've done for the last decade is in a, to avoid war as if we can.
1: Listen also again here to this federal district court judge. This is also from his opinion quoted by the Wall Street Journal, quote, every day people voluntarily surrender personal and seemingly private information to transnational corporations, which exploit that data for profit. Few think twice about it, even though it is far more intrusive than bulk bulk telephony metadata collection, end quote. Okay, so people are dumb about privacy, and so therefore the government should just be able to have it too. That's ridiculous. You know, and 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 what I think a quotation like that, this judge reasoning here, where he says, "Well, you know, you surrender this stuff all the time, and you don't care about it." The word worry about it. okay, I mean, that's
0: that's what it's saying. The gist. The word
1: First of all, there's no tailoring to particular individuals no. and what their expectations are. Everyone can because be it all judges by what is a reasonable expectation of privacy. Who gets to decide what's reasonable? Apparently, Judge Polly. Yes. In the federal district court in Manhattan.
0: Talk about projection, though. These, uh, you know, government hacks in, in general—they're not great people. They aren't to people who, you know, gear towards that. And so they're projecting that we're all like them. We're all suspect. We're all no good. We're all just potentially criminal. I mean, it's just, it's, it's shocking.
1: Anyway, this idea of, well, whether or not you have a an expectation of privacy that society judges to be right. reasonable is such a horrible, evil standard. Yep. And in the Supreme Court, Justice Scalia has worked towards moving away from that to a certain extent. So he's kind of carved out little enclaves where you have an expectation no matter what, regardless of whether it's judged as, quote, reasonable or not. And one of them was in this case, United States versus Jones, 2012, when the Supreme Court said that it is a violation of the Fourth Amendment for the government without a proper warrant to attach a GPS tracking device to your car and use it to track you and why is that because your car is an effect remember in the fourth amendment persons houses papers and effects your car is an effect so it's one of these little realms where scalia is saying we don't judge whether it's reasonable that's like little icing on the cake your person your house your papers your effects these are things that the fourth amendment specifically names and then otherwise you also have if Society says it's reasonable. I think the whole society says it's reasonable needs to go away, and we need to get serious about what persons, houses, papers, and effects are, and we need to include anything over which you have a right by a property and contract in there. And otherwise, they need to get a warrant. Yeah. They need to get a warrant.
0: The, the, well, they know this, that this is what they supposed to, but they're, they're pushing and pushing and pushing. That's what they're doing. And all the justification is like, we're trying to avoid 9-11. Don't you want that? Good, then shut up. You don't like 9-11, do you? I don't like it either.
1: No. Now, just, just in case people needed a reminder of the value of metadata, I've got a little article, thanks to Chip on Facebook for sharing it. It's from Gizmodo. And the headline is, surprise, it's super easy to identify people from metadata. Yes,
0: as, you, as you've been saying.
1: Uh, everybody pretty much could, knows. You this. could figure
0: out a whole lot about a person through that.
1: You definitely can. It says, when the NSA's phone tracking was revealed, the agency was quick to point out that it's not listening to phone conversations, Mm -hmm. but the agency is tracking who you call, when, and for how long, your metadata. And it says, claims that metadata is anonymous have never been fully comforting, especially now. Stanford researchers say that connecting an individual's name to phone metadata isn't just easy, it's trivial. Jonathan Mayer and Patrick Muchler is how you pronounce that, I believe, connected 5,000 phone numbers from volunteers using an Android app that they designed for the research project. In a preliminary low-effort sweep of public information on Yelp, Google Places, and Facebook, the two researchers were able to match 27% of numbers with an individual name. And then it says when they dug a little deeper, Googling 100 phone numbers individually, they matched 60 numbers in just one hour, adding in the previous sources, they boosted that to 73. Then it says, to to simulate the data crunching capabilities of an organization as huge as the NSA, they ran the 100 phone numbers through Intelis, Intelis. it's a, quote, a cheap consumer-oriented service offering reverse phone number lookup and public record searches. This, combined with the prior two search methods, led to a grand total of 91 out of 100 numbers hmm. matched with an individual or business. 91 out of 100. So, you know, recall they say that the NSA before defended itself by saying that it only compels companies to turn over phone numbers, not names, hmm. but of course, there is this workaround. They can you know, issue an, a national security letter and get all this. But they, for the national security letters, they don't even have to have probable cause and particularized suspicion. There's a lower level for that, some sort of reasonable certainty that it's semi-related to some I mean, horrible, just mealy mouth language is the standard for this Meta, kind of
0: Meta-privacy. Stuff. Start talking yeah. about
1: so metadata definitely is important. And if Snowden is right, they have the ability to do a lot more. There has there have been stories recently where they can turn on webcams. Yes. On computers.
0: Which we just probably
1: don't. on your phone. Your phone camera could be and, turned you know, on. And
0: and their government is uh, keep keeps lying to us and we keep realizing that they have that they are lying to us. So Snowden looks better and better as as, as time is going. The government looks worse.
1: M 8 <laughs> M08- 2844 in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. Gotta love this uh, yeah. lingo here. But see, he says that before I hang up on the phone, I always say bye to my NSA handler. Yeah, yeah we, we usually try to yeah. welcome the NSA to the sure. show whenever they listen, but this is a publicly available show, so they're probably bored. They don't want to listen to it. They want only the stuff. Now, Flycatch in the chat room says that if you don't want the possibility of being monitored, then purchase a cell phone that is a prepaid.
0: Hmm. You know, I know. I just, we keep doing these these things to avoid something that shouldn't exist.
1: You know, if you're looking at the third-party doctrine, though, Flycatch, I would say that even with a prepaid phone, what would happen is... Well, okay,
2: I guess you could... You know what you
1: could do? You could do a prepaid phone that you pay for with cash so long as you have don't have to give up any identifying information when you prepay for that phone. If you have to show an ID or anything then no. Uh, But there is still data that would be collected in the use of that prepaid phone, but maybe it couldn't be linked to a particular person. So, yeah, you'd have to pay for it with cash so long as they allow you to do that. You know, when you go to a drugstore now and you try to buy Sudafed, the real stuff, the stuff that actually works, you have to show an ID.
2: Right.
1: And I won't be surprised, you know, if these phones that you're talking about get, uh, you know, actually get kind of oh, popular right. because of concerns right. about privacy, then, they'll, way, then so. they'll say you have to show an ID in order yeah. to buy one or who knows oh, yeah. what. So the whole we'll have... thing
0: is you cannot avoid us. Don't even try. Ultimately.
1: Well, and think about this. Suppose they say, okay, well, here's a person using prepaid phone cards and they're dialing these people and they're because dialing... they will be able to still know what phone numbers that phone is dialing for how long they're talking to them. The
0: idea that we have to start thinking like this, the idea that we have to start thinking about even getting guns. In this upcoming culture that that, that we're entering, mm-hmm. it's pretty scary. We, I mean, people who never even thought about guns are starting to think, think about guns and these kind of phones and these kind of things. I mean, it's just we we know that we're we're being surrounded by our government every day more and more.
1: I mean, imagine if the government says, "Okay, well, here's a prepaid phone, and all it does is ever call other prepaid phone numbers, hmm. and there's no, you know." Uh, purchasing data linked in terms of credit card that would link you to your name and identity. the government might say, Oh well if there's a bunch of this going on then we have a reason yeah. to listen make in that, on their phone yes. conversations and then they'd start or listening. make those phones legal
0: or something. I mean they'll yeah. they'll find a way to undercut us somehow.
1: Well and then Holly in the chat room says yes, it's all good to Try and she she isn't saying it like this, but she's saying yeah, you know it's fine to go ahead and try to evade yeah. what the government is doing. And I, I think we it's all, of course, you have every right to. And and to the extent that you're concerned about it, go out and please do these things. There's various privacy protocols that you can use on the internet in order to keep. Government or Google or whoever you're concerned about from looking at your browsing habits from reading your emails all those different things do it to the extent that you can and I think there's a good industry in people giving you advice about how to, how well, to but the
0: whole point is right the whole point right. is, whole whole point is back fighting in their place
1: and and Holly here in the chat room over at blog talk radio says yes you know buying exactly. a prepaid phone doesn't address the problem of invasion yeah. of privacy we by have the to government to being roll wrong.
0: back the government Roll it back. And that's the whole thing. And people are, have given up on that idea even that, that we can't anymore, which is, a, which is a, a threat unto itself. If we accept this, this you know, Leviathan government, it is what it is. It will keep getting bigger. That's it. I'm going to make my, you know, my circle of freedom smaller and smaller in order to
1: – I mean, I just
0: – we have to fight this.
1: Now, Flycatch says with the advent of technology, this was, was to be expected. If you call 911, you are immediately identified uh, by name and location of the call.
0: Let me call right now and see.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, People call 911 when McDonald's is out of a certain kind of burger or something.
0: Well, the government is encroaching on me. Uh, What do I do? 911, right? Right.
1: I I like that. I like that. But here's the thing. right? I think 911 and that technology that immediately identifies the person by the name and location of the call, this is all valid. This is good. But that is when a person has initiated a call saying, I am requesting things, government yeah. intervention of some kind. I need help. Wait. Someone's broken into my home, you know, whatever they it is. They don't
0: have a cheeseburger. Is that what it was?
1: Something. They were out of cheeseburger. I don't know.
0: That's unbelievable. The, wow. The,
1: the things that people do, definitely. But I, I think that if our government is limited to its proper function and its ability to collect information about us is limited to those times that they either have probable cause and particularized suspicion about us, about some information that we have, or we initiate the contact with them and ask for their help, then I don't think that there's any problem at all. If you have clear lines drawn, then you don't expect Increasing encroachment, right. increasing encroachment. Right. We need to have clear principled line drawn. And that's where...
0: So, D- Dana writes it.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Can we read it? Yes. Mm-hmm. No, you read it. No, go ahead.
0: Okay, uh, Dana writes the proper standards uh, is here is no different than determining the extent of government power in any situation. The use of force must be put under objective control. That is precisely what the requirement to secure a warrant does.
1: Exactly. exactly. And that whole
0: thing, has you be have very to have specific.
1: clear rules. And the fact that we don't have clear rules right now is shown, demonstrated again by the fact that you have two district court judges looking at the same exact kind of case, the same government yes. activity, and one says, oh, it's no problem. And the other one says, hey, I think that that almost, Certainly violates the Constitution, and let's hope that the Supreme Court can straighten it out. I think that Scalia and Sotomayor together might be able to figure some of it out. I wish both of them would read my piece and and take it to heart.
0: Yes, yeah. Because I mean, uh, I I mean, you think about these judges; uh, they're nowhere near as smart as they ought to be. No, no, nowhere a, a near as rational as they ought to be to be in the positions that they're in. They're, they're not. You hear some of, some of them speak, and you're like, this person is in charge of a lot of – I mean, they have a lot of power to change laws, to make new laws even. I mean, it's just – you look at it and say, wow. I mean, where, where are, 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 are the standout judges? I mean, you got some of the better the but overall, I don't know.
1: I mean, again, go back to Polly right here, and let me get that quote up again from the, the Wall Street Journal, the quote from the case here. He says, every day – people voluntarily surrender personal and seemingly private information to transnational corporations, which exploit that data for profit. Few think twice about it, even though it is far more intrusive than bulk telephony metadata collection. End quote. Now, first of all, I don't know that the other data is more intrusive, yeah. so that's lame. Hmm. But the biggest thing here is the fact that I voluntarily give up my information to some people, even if I do it in a stupid way, yeah. doesn't mean that the government is able to compel turning over that data to them it's a whole separate thing when i give it over and i don't think you know you you can say oh you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy once you turn it over the people don't understand the third party doctrine if i start talking about the third party doctrine they want to tune my show out but what it says is once you turn it over to a company that's the same as turning it over to the government that's what it says yeah and, yeah, again, and Daniel in the chat room says the same thing. The government is – I mean, excuse me, the company is not initiating force. People are voluntarily turning it over. That's right. Whereas the government is compelling but there's this... that the companies turn the information over to them. There... You know, recently um, there was that report generated by the uh, – and I guess the NSA review board or whatever it is. Obama appointed a bunch of his cronies – to yeah. review the privacy practices. Right. I think Sunstein right. was in there. All these jerks, right? And of
0: actually criticized them, though.
1: Oh, yeah. a, a lot of people criticize what they're doing. <laughs> no, no, no. Let, sorry,
0: so some of them criticized the Obama administration and what he was doing in that group, in that crowd. Oh, no, sure. No some joke. of
1: the people in the crowd, right? I guess they did but, it
0: for some kind of integrity. I don't know.
1: Right, right. But the recommendations that come out of the report are going to be those that reflect a majority of the jerks. Right. And, I mean, not all of them are jerks, but the not majority of them. of them were apparently oh, jerks because... Listen to a recommendation that came out of it. It said, oh, well, maybe the NSA shouldn't collect and store all this data, but we'll just tell the phone companies that they have to collect hmm. and store it so that we can get it whenever we want. That's
0: what I'm saying. This, That'll do it. This fusion from the government to the private sector, it is almost, it's so unclear now. You know what I mean? And the government can accuse private companies of doing things that they can't, as, as Dan, Dan you know, notes here. And they're you know right, right now the uh, for for Obamacare now they're going after the the insurance companies they've been doing they've been up to no good somehow the insurance companies as if Obamacare hasn't affected the insurance companies you know what I mean as if they have just been acting the way they are without any kind of uh, coercion you know the uh, and- oh yeah
1: no the the insurance companies are all acting on, in, in a straitjacket basically yeah. right now it's like put a straitjacket on them yeah. and then evaluate how they're doing their job <laughs> exactly so no it, it's ridiculous but this idea that it's it, any different that that the level of surveillance and how private you know we feel our conversations are it, that it's any different when the phone company is forced to collect and store the information versus the government for it's a huge burden on the companies and it's not practically any different anyway so i agree with jim harper at cato says it's absolutely no substitute at all so, anyway.
0: Like Ash writes here, uh, YouTube, YouTube is being monitored by, by because Google, he, he meant it right, and if you post a negative comment about Obama, you get a warning. Now, sometimes on my blog, uh, I send out posts out there, and yeah, I, I, I'm responding to something particular, but I send out posts just to test where we are in terms of freedom of speech and calling Obama certain things, having certain cartoons, having certain things, and I've not gotten any real – I've gotten people visit my blog from the government, no doubt about it, but I've not been threatened in any kind of way yet, yet. You know, we still have the freedom of speech.
1: You know, do you see, for instance, if you look at your website traffic data, like if they tell you who's visiting your blog and you see Department of Defense yeah. is vis- visiting your blog, yeah. does that intimidate you in any no. way, shape, or form?
0: I, I feel like I want to post something more so at that moment, something that has been particularly uh, you know, um,
1: provocative to no.
0: leftists and to Muslims. I feel like at that point I want to post something, but I, I don't do that because I, if I don't really want to post something, I don't, I don't post it. But I feel like at the moment, I'm, I want to, just to say, just prove a point here. Say, so you're trying to come here and take a look at what I'm doing. Well, you know what? Check this out. And what are you going to say about that? Because you have no right to say anything about that. I mean, I mean sorry, you, you can have an opinion about it, but you can't stop me from saying that. And, I, and that's whole point. We have the freedom to call out our government, call our government in, in particular. Remember this one thing that left you say, you know, um, under Bush, we, we have the freedom to do this. It's, it's, it's uh, truth to power and all that crap. That's, mm-hmm. that's gone. Because they're in power now. Exactly. That's over. Yeah. And now if you criticize Obama, you're a racist, you're this, you're It just you're that.
1: shows both, both parties are full of crap. It,
0: they and
1: say. I would love to see you know, the, that there would actually come something out of – why can't we have a bipartisan piece of legislation right now well, that would get rid of the third-party doctrine? Well, Let's just have that. I, I think, mean I Rand because, Paul has talked yeah, about it. Let's put it out there. I think because
0: the Democrat Party are off the rails. They're not an American party. Right. You'll find an individual here and there who might be running for office in the next election, might try to do something semi-rational. That's about it. The only time, the only place you have semi-rational individuals at times is 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 the Republican Party. The the left, they, they're they're done. I mean, they have proven themselves in the post-Obama America. They are the anti-American party. Right. Fundamentally. Let's
1: let's let's finish up. We have an hour basically here on on privacy plus a follow up from last week. So that's quite a a Okay, so my
0: my next follow up from last week is what?
1: No, no, no.
0: (laughs) I'm gonna read the Quran.
1: Really really what I would encourage people to do who are listening now is think about the value of privacy to you in particular. Figure out ways that yes, in the current legal climate you can enjoy the level of privacy and be, you know, secure in the knowledge that you are enjoying the level of privacy that you want. You know, again, everybody—it's it's a little bit of taste, right? Some people like to publish all sorts of personal things out there on Facebook and Twitter, and you know, I don't do a whole lot of that. But it's, it's so funny every time I put like one little personal thing on one of the pages out there, some people say, "God, why are you po- you posting about this <laughs> right. stuff?" But you know, right. every so yeah. often I like to say, "Okay, you know, I just right. made a cowboy burger that has bacon and cheddar it, and, it, and if, uh, if I post jalapeno. something fun,
0: something that's not necessarily my my regular work, hey, get back to to. Get back to the Islamist stuff. Like, are you kidding me? I want to live my life.
1: You may not have fun <laughs> you know on what me? Facebook, you Ridiculous. know. Um, but you know, any anything that I'm going to publish there is going to be relatively trivial and things like that. And I Some have time to do. select you, groups of friends that I share more personal things with, and that's what we all, I, I think, do. Want normally now there are people and there's been a phase that people went through. They just posted every picture of their whole life and everything else out there. I mean, if you yeah. wanted to, I guess you could just have a webcam on you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but what kind of life would you have? Let me say something
0: that has nothing to do with Islam government. Just quick. Sure. Uh, I wish that the secret life of Walter Mitty um, was secret to me. Cause I saw it <laughs> last night. and it, I'd say it should be retitled the secret life of Walter Mitty awkwardly. Bad, very bad. I walked out, and the, the, the trailer was great and all that, and it looked really cool, looked exciting, stunk anyway.
1: So hopefully Bosch just saved you a few dollars and some frustration. Some people disagree, but I think it stunk. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody in the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio, if you want to call in and say, no, I thought it was great. It was
0: supposed to be positive and all that. I mean, please.
1: 760-888-5817. Anyway, we're almost at the end of the hour. Do think about the value of privacy. If you want to be prodded a little bit about the value of it, I argue strenuously for the value of privacy in my course, which, again, is called Toward a Society of Privacy. It's available through the Ayn Rand Bookstore for the low, low price of $2.75. Sense.
0: It's excellent. For someone yeah. who doesn't, hasn't studied the, uh, the topic at all, it's excellent. And that's why when you asked me off the cuff, I couldn't answer anywhere near it as good as you did. And I, I even took that, took that course.
1: Yeah, but that was almost was one and a half years ago. Yeah. So everybody needs a refresher, even if you were there. It's maybe, excellent. You know.
0: It's a great way of looking at the issue.
1: But I'm glad to see that Snowden is still
0: yeah. out there. Yeah.
1: Publicly advocating right I think for saying, a reconsideration of all this.
0: I think he's saying he's he's put his life on the line here, his freedom on the line, his uh, his Americanism on the line, and says, "Guys, please remember, this is important." And I think a lot a lot of us do. Just they need to be maybe reminded, reminded again and again. And our government keeps reminding us how bad they are.
1: Now Flycatch, Flycatch in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, there's no such thing as privacy after they put a quote-unquote smart meter on my house. I assume you're talking about the electric company. Again, in a proper society, electric companies would be private. Yep. Yes, there'd be information that they collect through the smart meter, but in a proper legal system, your right to contract with the company with the electric company would protect that information against the government unless the government had a search warrant that's what getting rid of the third party doctrine would do it would protect our privacy through our contracts with these companies of course then you have to be very adamant about the the contracts yes we are at the top of the hour this is don't let it go unheard you're listening to amy Peacock. i have in the studio with me here cartoonist bosch faustin the title of today's show is that our government doesn't care whether we're naughty or nice. And whole first hour here, basically, we're talking about the NSA and its indiscriminate bulk data collection practices. Whether you're naughty or nice, whether they have any probable cause, particularized suspicion about you, they were collecting that data. And a district judge in Manhattan has recently upheld that practice. Since we've got another district judge in the D.C. Circuit saying that, no, it's probably unconstitutional. They've set themselves up for a nice conflict that will hopefully make it to the Supreme Court, and maybe they will actually reconsider the third-party doctrine as Justice Sotomayor has asked them to do. Again, in Justice Sotomayor's concurrence, United States v. Jones, 2012, she calls for an entire reconsideration of the third-party doctrine, and let's all hope that that happens.
0: Even, even considering this is a leftist hack, You know, I
1: mean, (laughs) mean, that's why I said in my in my article, don't try it on my day. I said, this is basically the last person that I expect to have so much in common with. But here I am on this issue. It it does happen
0: sometimes. It does happen sometimes. There's a certain issue that people get. A broken clock is
1: right twice a day kind of thing. Okay, so let's go on and let's talk about another situation in which government is injecting itself into our lives whether or not we're naughty or nice, and in particular, just ruining Christmas altogether. Here's the article, Michelle Obama helps the president to sell Obamacare. And many of you have heard about this, right? There was the quote that was taken from this and and talk about how uh, discussing Obamacare with your family during Christmas is a Christmas treat. Mm -hmm. And what I did is I found an article that wasn't from, you know, like Michelle Malkin and all the conservative commentators. I actually went to the Daily News and the daily news, although it, it you know some of the tone of it's a little bit critical, it's more positive. It says Mrs. Obama rarely gets involved in her husband's policy battles, but public opinion polls show that she's a more popular advocate than her husband, so she's helping to push his unpopular law. because ahead we don't know her as much. Deadline. No
0: yeah. no, but we don't know her as much. That's the only thing We know everything about Obama. We know a little less of her. That's why they say that. She's not as obviously corrupt and dangerous as he is because she's not in full power right that's no reason
1: so listen to what they did they got together in this little photo op video op whatever it was in one of the rooms in the white house it wasn't
0: staged just they no were,
1: not not staged they were, they were just at there all. And the cameras not, co- oh. not staged at all but they have all these women and their mothers their aunts Etc. And they say, oh, you know, women are always so good at caring for their family's health. Women are so good at conveying to the young people that they're really (laughs) not invincible after all. You know how young people. So she taught
0: us this. Wow.
1: I mean, young people can reasonably make the gamble, basically, that they don't want to buy health insurance. A lot of times they're young. They're just starting out in their careers. They can't really afford it. And it's a reasonable choice for someone who's young and healthy to, to not buy yeah. health insurance. And she wants to say, mothers, it's your job to tell your kids that they are not invincible and that they should go ahead and sign up. But I love this article. It says, uh, This is New York Daily News. Again, I'm quoting from it. It says, the Obama administration needs millions of Americans, especially younger, healthy people, and the emphasis is in the original, to sign up through new exchanges to keep prices low. So, see, you know, all the prices that we have right now, you think the prices are already bad right now? These are prices predicated on the idea that enough young, healthy people are going to be signing up for health insurance, which I don't think is really happening. When the numbers come out after the first of the year, I bet it's going to be really shocking. And I won't be surprised if we're going to see an increase in health insurance premiums and that I might have to go shopping again for health insurance, because I won't be able to afford the, the price hike myself. It's going to be disgusting. Here's uh, Obama. It says there's something about moms. This is Barack Obama talking. He says they, they have credibility. they often make family health care decisions, and quote, "They can tell young people who think they're invincible, that they're not, and prod them to at least get information."
2: <sighs> and this is
1: Yes. The First Lady added that convincing young adults that they aren't invincible is, quote, our job as mothers. And this is the, the quote that's been making mm, around. Right. She says, quote, make it a Christmas treat around the table to talk about a little health care, she told the mothers in front of the media. Ring in the new year with coverage, end quote.
0: With tyranny.
1: So they're, Tyranny. They're watching us. They are telling us what to talk about around the Christmas table. I think what this we should is... do is we should all put our phones out <laughs> in front of us on the, Chris, you know, on the Christmas table, the dinner table, and, just... and we should talk about what
0: yeah.
1: I was going to say. Assholes! I'm going to say it. Assholes! <laughs> these people are because
0: yes. it's just sick. It's you know, sick stuff. They want every they want in on our Christmas dinner.
1: I've I've, said it, it. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I used to always talk about how everything that's going on reminds me of Atlas Shrugged and more and more with this kind of stuff where they're invading our private lives and our personal conversations among our family and friends. I feel like it's more out of We the living where you're talking about Soviet Russia and the propaganda and the expectation that conversations with family and friends are going to be used to promote government propaganda. That is what is going on here.
0: Disgusting. So this this, this is not America,
1: you know, this they don't care whether they're naughty or nice. Yeah, everybody should be forced to sign up. And if you think you're invincible, you think you don't need to sign up for health insurance. Well, it's a mom's job to tell you.
0: Yeah. And make this piece of crap work, guys. Come on, guys. Okay? No, but that's, that's what she's saying. Make us look good. This is horrific. We know that, but you can pretend it's not by helping us.
1: Now, think about think about the fact that the audience that they had there was a pre-selected of audience course, of women, of mothers and aunts and everything and
0: else. And And
1: then look at the next story that I have here in... The program notes. Again, I have the program notes to today's show, all the links to the stories we talk about at DontLetItGo.com. Well, sorry. Sorry. The
0: nature mm-hmm. of, of her doing that also it tells you how deep trouble they are with their with their crap program. It tells you, like, just a reminder, guys, talk about I'm it. I'm so you know. sorry
1: about that. We got some noise.
0: No, because they're like, talk go. about it, guys. Talk about it. Please make us look good because this is horrific. We know that. They wouldn't be selling this. It's three years old already. It's been passed. It's been forced on us. That's it. So, in there, but but they need the pretense still. They they need the pretense that it's good.
1: Well, they don't want it to collapse all to hell before the election. Exactly. That is all. Absolutely right. they Then care they about.
0: can then they can run wild with. They the care about
1: election. the election. They care about the election, and that That's is fair. it. So I like the fact that they had all these women there. And then look at this story from December 23rd. It says Obamacare approval drops to record low. This is an article that I found at The Hill, and it's talking about a recent CNN poll. It says the poll finds that just 35% of the public supports Obamacare compared to 40% in late November. So within one month, it goes down five percentage points. But the big news, the biggest news is that the biggest drop came from women. Their opposition to Obamacare rose from 54% to 60% in one month. That's
0: why America's mom had to come out and try to pretend exactly. that, you know. Exactly. disgusting. So and they, they, deploy and they, her. they They knew this was coming out before we did. Right. They know this. So that's why they did this preemptive attack.
1: It says uh, some of the those people who oppose the law, 15% of the respondents continue to do so because they think it's not liberal enough. Of course, the Hill has to put that in there. But... It says only 16% say that they think their family will be better off when most of the law takes effect next <laughs> year. Let yeah. me give you one of the reasons why no family, no family will be better off when the law takes effect. There's a little article, you know, and a lot of these articles that are generated, right, you know, you, you see after that came out, there was a headline, you know, 60% of women opposed or whatever, There's a lot of regenerating and reemphasizing through the news cycles different aspects of the news that we learn. And so here's one article that collects up all the different fees that are coming in 2014 due to Obamacare. New taxes, new fees, call them whatever you want to. I call it theft by our government. New ways that our government will be stealing from you in 2014 thanks to Obamacare. Theft, theft, theft. Theft, yeah, that's even theft, a euphemism. Fees. Theft fees, and then the you know, and think about this. This is, this is the difference between an editor and the writer of the article. Because in the headline, headlines are done by editors. Yep. New Obamacare fees. Right. First line of the article says, "Here comes the Obamacare tax bill." Right, right, right. It, it would have been there. At, at least the, the author of yeah. the article here at the New York Post called it tax. I call it theft. Let's just. Throw theft in there for for good measure, but I guess you couldn't do that and have objective journalism. So it says the cost of of President Obama's massive health care law will hit Americans in 2014 as new taxes pile up on their insurance premiums and on their income tax bills. Most insurers are not advertising the Obamacare taxes that are added on to the premiums, opting instead to discreetly pass them on to customers while quietly lobbying lawmakers for a break. I don't know about you. um, I had to recently sign up for a new health insurance policy. And when I signed up on the private website, it said it was going to be however many dollars and uh, and however many and five dollars, right? And then I get the actual bill, and it's $22. And I'm guessing that the $17 in there is some sort of tax or fee or something. Who knows? So then it says, uh, one insurance company, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Alabama, laid bare the taxes on its bill with a separate line item for, quote, Affordable Care Act fees and taxes, end quote. Bravo to them. They should be as transparent as possible and let people know. Tax, 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 tax. I mean, I hate this. You get a cable bill. You get a quote from your cable company as to what it's going to cost you per month to have, you know, whatever package of services that you do. And your bill comes, and often it's like $25, 20 $25 more than what they quoted you. Why? Taxes and fees, taxes and fees. And this is the same thing now with our health insurance policies thanks to Obamacare. It says the new taxes on one customer's bill added up to $23.14 a month or $277.68 annually, according to Kaiser Health News. It boosted the monthly premium from $322.26 to $345.40 for that individual. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if I've got a $17 additional tax and fee on the health insurance price that I was quoted. That's disgusting. I mean, I could go and have lattes. I could have a lot of lattes. Flycatch in the chat room over here at Block Talk Radio is full of practical suggestions, says that speaking of the cable bill, you can dispute the Obama phone charge that's in your cable bill and win. Better off maybe just cancel mm-hmm. your cable phone service because what the hell, it's pretty much worthless anyway. I don't know. I'm getting pretty cynical here. <laughs> I'm going to need the help that we have at the end of the show today, which is going to be the positive news story. You cursed. So
0: can I have a big time curse? I, I, I did. I cursed. Yeah. So I, ca- I call. call the, I I them assholes. Do. That's
1: Well, terrible. they are. Go ahead.
0: No, no, that's all. I mean, it's, yeah. it's. Oh, you
1: want you want to have it in reserve for yeah, when we really yeah, need yeah. it? Okay, you can have it in reserve. Yeah. You have one in reserve. Exactly. Okay. I don't
0: want to abuse it.
1: Let me see if there's other fees and taxes that I can tell you about. Oh gosh, I think I. I clicked away. I clicked too soon. Let me get there. So in addition to the additional tax within your health insurance premium bill, there's also a 2% levy on every health plan, which is expected to net about $8 billion for the government in 2014. And that's going to increase to $14.3 billion in 2018. So you're forced to buy health insurance and then they tax you on it. Yay. Uh, there's also a $2 fee Yay. per policy that goes into a new medical research trust fund called the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute. Crony capitalism, money passed out to the government's favorite people. $2 of each of you out of your pocket goes to this slush fund. Insurers also pay a 3.5% user fee to sell medical plans on healthcare.gov on the website. That's disgusting. Obamacare supporters argue that the federal subsidies for many low-income Americans will not only cover the taxes but pay a big chunk of the premiums. Okay, but where's the subsidies coming from? Our tax dollars. (laughs) So says Americans will also pay hidden taxes, such as the 2.3% medical device tax that will inflate the cost of items, such as pacemakers, stents, and prosthetic limbs. Also, if you have high out-of-pocket medical expenses, i.e. those of you who are suffering the most and paying the most out-of-pocket for it, you will get smaller income tax deductions. Right now, you're currently allowed to deduct expenses that exceed 7.5% of your annual income. The threshold is going to jump to 10% under Obamacare, which will cost us another $15 billion over 10 years, more theft. Then there's also a Medicare tax. If you make too much money, then they're going to add a 0.9% Medicare surtax on top of the already existing 1.45% payroll tax. And you'll pay, it says, an extra 3.8% Medicare tax on so-called unearned income. I hate that term. Oh, man. Unearned income. Unearned income, says the New York Post, is supposed to be investment dividends, rental income, and capital gains. You didn't earn it?
0: Unearned. Unearned. What a term. I mean, that's the income that I go with. You earn
1: money. You invest it. But then if you, you know, instead of spending, right, you you decide to set it aside and invest it. If you then earn money off of it, it's unearned. It's not earned.
0: Shocking. Language.
1: This is the thing. I mean, there's so many invalid terms. Which they have to do. To refer to our government stealing money from us. So
0: let's take it for granted and just bypass it. It is what it is, but no.
1: Meanwhile, the article says the Obama administration touted a surge of more than 2 million visitors Monday at HealthCare.gov, plus about 250,000 calls to the Obamacare call centers. All these people giving up their private information on an unsecure website or handing it over on the phone to navigators who may have criminal records. Yes,
0: who really may have criminal records and they don't care. They said, well, and they were asked by it. I said, yeah, yeah, some are have criminal records, and that's that. Go, oh, okay, thanks.
1: Anyway, I, My prediction, and, and this is not even a prediction, you don't have to be at all intelligent to make it, is that the enrollment numbers are going to be way lower than uh, anticipated, lower. than required by law. And, and, there were,
0: and there were some students, it was like a, a mostly black uh, college, and, and one guy said, uh, I mean, I thought it was like free as the reason why he didn't sign up for it, because I thought it was like Free. That's what he said, and that's a catchphrase. I made a cartoon about it. I thought it was like free or or something. Right. Uh, They actually believed it was free. They actually believed that.
1: And I'm I'm thinking that a lot of the women too. Again, women often are people who will manage household budget and things like that. So I'm not surprised that now that women are seeing the actual cost of health insurance and what it's going to be in 2014. which, really, I think a lot of people weren't aware no. of until that interval between November and December, late November, well, late December. They believed the liar. That's why the poll numbers went down. Yes, yeah,
0: they believed the liar. Yeah. And you, you would have known he's a liar years ago. But
1: Well, and he thought he'd get away with it. No, oh, he did. So now no, he, insurance he is going to cover free mammograms. No, but, you know, he has, free, has such woo-hoo. contempt
0: for Americans that he thought he could get away with it. That was, that was what he was counting on. Those, these, these schlubs. I'll tell him, we, tell him whatever he wants. It doesn't matter. In the end, we'll get we'll get the power that, that we want, and it's not working. He wanted to to do this to us and remain popular. He can't do it.
1: State defiance here in the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio says that I bet the tax, the next tax, will be on people with Blog Talk <laughs> shows. He
0: goes, <laughs> uh, um, uh Amy Peacock. Oh.
1: You know, here's the thing. It was funny because I did a little bit of an exchange back and forth uh, with with Craig, who, like I said, gave a, a nice little donation. Yeah, very, very um, Just the other day, and. He was basically saying this idea of doing a show with the idea that you're going to make things better, that you're actually going to convince the government to do better things, is really not the motive. You know what's what's the motive? Um, you know well,
0: the, the public. I mean the, the audience. You know as the government. They are what they are. Right, but they have to be knocked. No, but they got to be knocked down by the people. I mean, the government doesn't learn lessons. They're, right, but the idea government. that
1: I'm going to convince enough people to have enough effect on the government, that can't necessarily be my primary motive. My primary no. motive is to vent and criticize about these jerks and hopefully and entertain hopefully, some people. No, but, and hopefully also and,
0: influence people to have, you know to consider some ideas that they haven't. And if they can go uh, challenge the government, if they can go into government, let's say, that's probably one of the most effective ways, you know, to get people who, are, who understand how bad the government is and be in government to try to knock it down from there. I mean, there's a value in that. I mean, ultimately. But they, yeah, that can't be the, the, the direct one. That's a secondary consideration. No, it's possible.
1: No, it, 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 it's all, it's all got to be me saying my own piece. you want to piece, do this. No, saying my own piece. Absolutely
0: right. You want to do this. I mean, it's like, I don't know, about Islam. I, I, I never wanted to learn about Islam for the hell of it. Absolutely not. 9-11 happens. You got to learn about it. That's it. And it's, it, it's to fight a better fight. It, it's also to tell the truth out there. And if you're going to tell a story about it, you better know what you're talking about. You can't rely on well and whatever. It is what it is and
1: that's it. No, you gotta know what it is. Scumbags. That's all I want to say right now. They're scumbags doing this test. So yeah, all these new fees are coming in addition to the outrageous premiums and I you know predict again much lower enrollments, therefore gonna be higher insurance premiums. And all you could say is Please, Republicans, grow a little bit of a spine and take advantage of this. Didn't, didn't you say no. there was a, a – I forget the way that the question was posed to own recently. But he was saying something like the Republicans won't take advantage of no. the fact that the Democrats have single-handedly shoved this crap down our throats. No. And it is causing massive damage that people are already starting to feel. Don't you think that's just a gift? Given to the Republicans that they would run with, yes. but instead, no. What are they doing?
0: No, because they are what they are. They're uh, they're gutless, you know, statists. As they're as statist as the left, they're just not as statist. That's why I, I called them in the past. You get the socialists versus socialists. That's, that, that's what the Republicans are. John Boehner, he likes the big government. He is sitting on, and he he he's he living the dream. As far as he's concerned, he goes to the tanning saloon. He goes to dinner, he goes here, and then he got to drag himself to do his job, which I don't even know what it is. It's to fundraise. I think that's his his job, fundraise and go have dinner at that nice place, have a cigar, get a tan while he's having a cigar, you know, so (laughs) that's it, you know, and uh, cry, you know.
1: Cry. Just to let you know how our government is going to abuse us during the next year, I give a little hat tip to Rob Abiera for this article. It talks about in particular what the effect of the Dodd-Frank reform is going to yeah. do to businesses in Oklahoma. I'm, I'm
0: sorry. Please say quote-unquote reform, please. Yeah. Please. Reform. They perverted the word reform, you know. We need to reform the government. Can we
1: come up with something short about reform which means basically screw you over and steal from you at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's Maybe that's an acronym.
0: Reform is the acronym. We'll figure out how to do it.
1: Okay, that's what we yeah. need. You know, Sunny when she was doing a podcast, mm-hmm. she would have right. an acronym of right. the week and you'd right. have to come up with something. So chat I room. That's really good too. Here, here's your assignment chat room. Should you choose to accept <laughs> it? Here's your mission. Come up with an acronym for reform. And or, you know, come up for something for which reform is an acronym. Let's be grammatical here. Come up with something for which reform is an acronym. And it means essentially screw you over and steal from you. That's really what it is. So let's listen to what Dodd-Frank is going to do in the new year to businesses in Oklahoma. It says Oklahomans face paying more for for loans of all types, including mortgages, and a harder time qualifying for them with the start of the new federal regulations in January. And this is according to state and banking officials. So both state government in Oklahoma and banking officials say that because of this federal law, it's going to cost more to get a loan and it's going to be harder to qualify for a loan most of the new regulations the from the so-called consumer financial protections bureau which are implementing the provisions again you know you have a protection huge bureau. you have a huge piece of legislation that nobody reads then that huge piece of legislation authorizes these alphabet soup agencies like the consumer financial protection bureau to just start writing regulations and somewhere as i recall in this article this is the edmundson out of oklahoma it talks about how many pages of regulations that there are, again, in addition to the legislation. Let me see if I can scroll down to, I think it says something like 3,000 pages. Yeah, yeah. It says there are about 3,000 pages of regulations that go into effect next month. And it says it isn't just the length of it. It is the complexity in the way the rules were written. If you make a mistake, you risk litigation. And if the government is litigating against you, the government that has unlimited money with which to pursue you in a court of so-called
2: law—you're
1: yeah. in—you're in a bad way. And I, you know, I, I spoke with John Allison before, and John Allison used to be the chairman CEO of BB&T, Branch Banking and Trust, largest one of the largest uh, banks in the large, southeast,
2: most America, I
1: think, and a pretty large bank on the on the national scale, but still more of a, a yeah. smaller. Bank but he grew that bank under his leadership from very small to you know relatively large bank. I can't remember the exact numbers but it was magnitudes mm-hmm. orders of magnitude larger mm-hmm. under his leadership so he said that if the bank even if the bank is earnestly trying to comply with all the regulations that already before these existed, that complying with one regulation would probably put you in violation of another regulation, that there is contradictions, A and non-A, going on in these different regulations. This one will say, you know, make sure that you go ahead and give a certain number of this population access to loans. And then this other regulation will say, well, don't make a loan that's too risky over here. And those two contradict. But, I mean, there's even – more trivial, weirder things than that. That's a pretty basic idea that on the one hand you're supposed to give more quote-unquote access to mortgages, and then on the other hand, don't make too risky of mortgages. Absolutely. Well, how, how do you give more access if you can't go riskier, uh, you know, that kind of thing, but there's, there's a lot more than that. So basically you've got smaller consumer-oriented banks in Oklahoma. The community-type banks are going to find it harder and harder to comply with all the federal regulations, because, I mean, come on, think about this. 3,000 new pages of regulations get dumped on you. Who can afford to hire the legal counsel required to
0: to decipher? Not not to read it, to decipher.
1: Exactly, exactly. So are these banks, have any of these banks been proven to have violated anyone's rights? No.
0: As a government, yes.
1: Government doesn't care whether they're naughty or nice. They just drop the regulations on them and say, all you have to comply to these regulations, because we just want to make sure that you don't even think about possibly, only and not even violating rights. We just want you to further whatever our pet agenda of the day is.
0: And seriously, only bad guys can do that. I mean, really, only bad guys can do that, to try to project onto the idea that we're all bad, but we're in power, so watch it. I mean, only bad guys can do that. There's no way around it.
1: Oh. Then they talk about all the, all of the challenges for the small banks here. It says, recent surveys show that merger activity is expected to accelerate nationwide, partially due to Dodd-Frank challenges ahead and other issues such as succession planning with aging management. Now, think about this, that regulations like Dodd-Frank come in in part because all these politicians say big Bad, evil financial institutions are traipsing all over the rights of the individuals, and people don't well, have enough. Well, actually
0: the government. The government.
1: Yeah, we need to regulate the free market. So now, huh. when they put these regulations into play, and you put thousands and thousands of pages of, of legislation and regulation, only big banks can afford to read that garbage or hire somebody to read that garbage and even have a hope of potentially complying. You are going to put these small banks, which give people a real choice, out of business. So if people have this idea that they want to you know, fight big business with big government, you're doing no such thing. What you're doing is ensuring that there's going to be big business. And of course, all those big businesses are going to continue to donate to the politicians and the blah, blah, blah. Yes. So then what you have is what we see in the next story that I link to over at my blog at DontLetItGo.com. And it is this is a hat tip to Glenn via Facebook. Headline from Cato, and it's always refreshing to read something from Cato because they speak our language to a very, very large extent. The headline is from December 23rd, It's a Very Merry Christmas for Washington Insiders. This is where your tax dollars are going because our government has gotten you to vote for people who are going to put into law legislation that ensures crony capitalism continues and continues. One also, and continues. which is
0: why the Republicans love Obama. and Well, they envy him, let's say. They envy him because they would love to do what he's doing. They would love to expand the government the way he has. And they'll be the beneficiaries of it when he's gone, is their thinking. That's why they don't oppose him in any, fu- in any fundamental way. Not That's a, why. So it's, it's really they envy Obama.
1: So this, this piece is written by Daniel Mitchell over at Cato, and he says, Last year while writing about the corrupt and self-serving behavior at the IRS, I came up with a theorem that explains day-to-day behavior in Washington. Simply stated, he says, government is a racket that benefits the D.C. political elite by taking money from average people in America.
0: And who is living it up more than anyone right now in this country, in this economy? What area of the country?
1: The area of the country that is the most expensive to live in is the Washington D.C. area. And
0: what's the most evil a place in America? What's the most corrupt place in America? Where How is the there? place
1: where most rights violations are initiated? Exactly.
0: In that no, but area. I mean if, if if you have like an evil detector and you got the whole the whole map of the country and then you got to that will be all, you know, dotted all over in red. And
1: he says I realize that this is an unhappy topic to be discussing during the Christmas season, but the American people need to realize that they're being pillaged. Yep. pillaged I love this language, by the insiders that control Washington and live fat and easy lives at our expense.
0: It's just a reminder. It really is.
1: He says, if you don't believe me, check out this map showing that 10 of the 15 richest counties in America... Ten of the 15 richest the counties 15 in America riches. are the ones surrounding our nation's imperial capital. Again, I love his language. Yeah. Uh, he says, who would have guessed that the wages of sin are so high? Now, see, he calls it sin. Yes. It is sin. It is sin. And I, I hope he agrees that it is sin for these people to steal from productive which, people on which, the pretense of giving it to the unproductive. Which
0: I think it does because he used that language. I you know, I pillage hope us. I hope he did. No, but that language alone, yeah, to no. pillage us, yeah.
1: But, you know, is, is he going to be the type, well, you got to have some safety net and, the you know, uh, well, it's not evil, not, it's just well, they go too far. It seems, like, it seems
0: like the gist of his point is that all on that attack from, from the outset, which is good. Usually they, they start slow and then do that and here's, then pull back.
1: Actually, actually, here's one indication. I'm doing a little philosophical detection here. I don't know Daniel Mitchell from anything. He says, corrupt and self-serving behavior at the IRS. Would we call it self-serving no. behavior? No, no we wouldn't. wouldn't.
0: So No, it is self-destructive.
1: So I, I, my guess and is destructive that he, of the country. He, he would call this massive Washington excess, but right, you and know. and
0: and that they have probably egos, which they don't, which they don't. If they if they did, they would actually do something about what about the corruption in Washington and not be part of it.
1: He's talking about a report from the Washington Business Journal, and he quotes from it here. DC residents are enjoying a personal income boom, unlike the rest of the country. Yes, says the district's total personal income in 2012 was. Forty-seven point two eight billion, or seventy-four thousand seven hundred and thirty-three dollars for each of its six hundred and thirty-two thousand three hundred twenty-three residents, according to the Office of the Chief Financial Officer's Economic and Revenue Trends Report for November.
0: And That's why you know have they been uh, the government hasn't been doing this good since who knows when, and that's why again the Boehner's and the McConnell's they love Obama. You know, privately, quietly.
1: Look at the U.S. U.S. average per capita personal income is forty-three thousand seven hundred twenty-five dollars, and they are making their yes not quite twice as much, but close. Yep. Yep. Says why is D.C. income so much higher? Well, lobbyists, politicians. Europe bureaucrats, interest groups, contractors, and other insiders who dominate the city get much higher wages than people elsewhere in the country. You know
0: happens in dictatorships? All the wealth, all the power goes in one area, period. All the wealth in particular.
1: Yep. And this is the thing. When government has as much power as it does today, it has the power to give favors out. I love state defiance here in the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio. He says... Well, it takes a pillage.
0: It takes a pillage. That's perfect.
1: It is perfect. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it, t- it takes a pillage to do what, though? It takes a pillage to destroy a country, which is what they're going to be doing in the bases. I mean, I'd love to see them continue. They're going to try to live high on the yeah, hog.
0: No matter what happens to the country, they think they're protected somehow, that they're protected from the reality of, their con- of the consequences of their policies, that they're protected. I mean, it's, just, it's shocking. Obama, I mean, think about it. He has children. You would think that that would maybe stay his hands a little, hasn't,
1: doesn't, doesn't give a damn for his children. In terms of pure wages, D.C. on a pure per capita basis, this is again quoting from the Washington Business Journal. <sighs> it says uh, that the pure wages on a pure ca- per capita basis was 79% higher than the national average in 2012. Employee benefits were 102% higher in DC than the average in 2012, proprietors' income 137% higher. It says the numbers suggest DC residents are living the high life. And then they have a chart from Zero Hedge comparing income. Growth. Zero Hedge, very good. Yeah, comparing income growth for both DC and the nation as a whole over the last few decades. Okay, so this is a bipartisan Low, critique yes. which you get from only places like Cato. Yeah. If you go over to one of the right-wing blogs, oh, yeah. oh you know, oh, Bush is great, and oh, Reagan was like... And, and
0: they still pull that crap. The, if, the Bush was great.
1: Yeah, if you if you look at the growth then you see over the last few decades. Now, if you notice, it actually has gotten worse, though, towards the tail end of the Bush years. Yes. If you look at this chart, again, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com. You'll see the link to this post over at Cato. But from 2007 on, yep. the dark rise, the drastic rise in the District of Columbia income versus those people in the United States, which has stayed relatively flat, maybe only a slight increase. And then, of course, there's been inflation that our government lies and says, oh, you know, there's been no inflation. There's been inflation. So if you have this median income staying relatively flat or increasing just a little bit, it's like getting a pay cut. So in other words, policies like TARP the fake stimulus and Obamacare have been very good for Washington's ruling class. And I think you add to that, given the last article that I just read, add Dodd-Frank yes. into that as well. And they say, want some other examples of profitable Washington sleaze? Here are some excerpts from Rich Tucker's column for Real Clear Policy. It says, the real place to park your money is in Washington, D.C. That's because the way to get ahead isn't to work no, hard or make
2: absolutely. things. Absolutely.
1: It's to lobby Washington for special privileges. No. Look no further than the sweet deal the sugar industry gets. It's spent about $50 million on federal campaign donations over the last five years. So that would average out to $10 million per year. Last year alone, the federal government spent $278 million on direct expenditures to sugar companies. So they spend only $10 million yeah, so lobbying. Really they get, get $278 of, million of your tax dollars. So think about this. We need to decrease the power of government. We need to take back the idea of limited government. Government gets to do less and less and less. And so therefore, there is no special favor that can and be this doled idea, out to these
0: lobbyists. This that we could live with this and that is, it's corrupt. You can't stop it. That's, that's a corrupt idea that idea is corrupt that they can continue going on well the way. and
1: and the reason is that they're not willing to stop it and the reason is that they're not ever willing to go far enough right because the reason that the government has as much power as it does is because people think it is the job of the government to regulate regulate which means to initiate force against companies Those in ideas. advance of anybody. Uh, doing anything wrong, so they think it's the job of the, the government to regulate, and they also think it's the job of the government to initiate force on some people, take their money, and give it to other people. As long those as ideas are getting a, think, a little more
0: precarious, a little more precarious, those ideas. Look at the ratings in Washington. Look at the uh, the polls. I mean, there are what ten percent here, fifteen percent of Congress. People are starting to get it a little more, a little more, when they see this kind of absolute blatant corruption. I mean, it is so in your face now with stories like this even. This, this, has, to get, this has to be read by, by Rush. I mean, Rush Limbaugh should be talking about this particular story right here because these are concrete examples. We, see, we, we know see, it's Rush,
1: Rush Limbaugh would talk about this, but then Rush Limbaugh would say, well, we need to get rid of the corruption. Mm. We need to scale it back, but oh my gosh. Don't ever fully get rid of regulation. Don't ever fully get rid of wealth I mean, redistribution.
0: He's been enlightened by Rand, by Atlas Shrugged. Whenever he's uh, you know, called upon by some leftist who calls up, he goes, read Atlas Shrugged, read Atlas Shrugged, then, you know, then he moves on. I think he leaves it to Atlas Shrugged to make the case, which he should make the case, but whatever.
1: He's got millions of listeners. Yeah. If he knows better... He, he sh-
0: should say he so. He
1: should be making you the case. You
0: know what? I, I don't listen to him anymore. I don't know if anyone out there is. Uh, I can't do it. I just – I'd rather read transcripts of his shows. I, I can't do his style. It's just so annoying.
1: Again, this is a quotation from uh, – who is it? Rich Tucker over at Real Clear Policy. He says, what makes Washington especially profitable is that its only products are the laws, yeah. rules, and regulations mm-hmm. that it has the power to force everyone else to follow. Yeah. He says we seem to be sliding toward what the author's term extractive institutions, extractive institutions extracting right, extract wealth, money. extracting productivity. Like yeah. Does so that means parasites. government is using its power to benefit a handful of influential individuals at the expense of everyone else.
0: Remember that that one um the uh, it was in the penthouse and it was a, it was a high it was a low ceilings. You got Taggart and the others talking in that room, wheeling and dealing. That's exactly what you see. They're smoking cigars, they're drinking, they're getting fat and happy. And uh, there's this underlying thing that they know what they're doing. I mean, they know the evil, the extent, but they have to make themselves believe that this is just part of nature. I mean, we're the rulers; they're the ruled, and that's that. Um, you know, no one would protest to this. I mean. Uh, you know, Cruz would to an extent, you know, and he has to an extent, but other guys, not really. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, the only ones now, you got you, Cruz, uh, Lee, not really. Cruz and Paul, that, that'll be the guys probably that might be better than the rest and take it further.
1: Maybe, we'll maybe be. not, but listen to this. Okay, so this guy, I said his name is Mitchell, Daniel Mitchell, is that correct, mm-hmm. over at Cato? Sounds, right, yeah. sounds really good. Right, what but we at the very beginning <laughs> at the very beginning we detected this idea about you know self interest that that what the IRS did was self serving. Also,
0: that it's profit. It's not profit. You know, I mean, I mean, it's not. They're 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 still True, I mean, true, yeah.
1: true. And 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 we could nitpick this article yeah. to death, right? But just at the beginning, if you talk about those IRS people who are using the powers of the IRS to control what Tea Party groups were doing. Self-serving? That, no. is, that is not self-serving. No, they are, engaging in, they are so. engaging in immoral behavior, which by its nature is self-destructive. Yep. If, you have, if, you have, if you have a morality that's actually based on human nature and based on making a, life better. Morality
0: based on reality.
1: But then list, listen, listen. listen to Mitchell's recommendation at the very end. He's got a couple like PS, PPS, whatever. He has one that's PPPS, his very last little statement at the end of this article over at Cato. He says, making government smaller is the only way to reduce the Washington problem of corrupt fat cats. Now, that's true, Mm -hmm. but it's not the issue of the size. And this is something that your own book has emphasized again and again, and this is because it's right. It's not the size of the government. It's not even the particular amount that the government spends or that it taxes, et cetera. It is, the scope of government. It is right. what is government able to do? So long as government is able to initiate force, pick winners and losers by the initiation of force, steal from some, give to, give to others, tailor regulations in a certain way that favors some people and doesn't favor others, then you're going to have the lobbyists. You're, it, it, it's right. just a matter of what scale. I guess, yeah. And I defy people to draw a line. If if you accept the idea that government should regulate, that it should initiate force in advance of any wrongdoing by any person, or that the government should have the right to redistribute wealth on some scale, I defy you to draw the line. Where is it going to stop and not become what we have today? It's ridiculous. So this you know, they don't care whether you're naughty or nice. In in reality, you know, obviously some of the things I've talked about, they, they don't actually care whether you're naughty or nice. They treat everybody equally and horribly. But it,
0: they treat the good even more so.
1: But that's the right thing. So even if the government is being indiscriminate, the effect when you do not – give the bad people what they deserve and if you don't give the good people what they no, deserve whichever way that you fail in, in discriminating against the naughty and in favor of the nice you're going to hurt the nice in favor yeah. of the naughty if, no you treat, if you treat everybody equally right now right, all of us who are not criminals who are not potential terrorism suspects not jihadists right, <laughs> don't mean anybody any harm we're all getting spied on equally like everybody yeah. else we, the good people, are being punished because of our government's failure to discriminate between the good and the bad. Yep. Take the example of the banks under the Dodd-Frank. There's good banks and there are bad banks. There are banks that went out there and they well, said, absolutely. hey, let's give you a – interest-only interest mortgage for the first 10 years, and then you're going to owe this huge balloon payment. There are people who did engage in lousy, disgusting the uh, loaning practices, lending practices. The
0: government encouraged it, though.
1: But here's the thing. you know, First of all, if they are not being upfront about it, if they're committing fraud, that's when the government should be stepping in. People have this idea that anything that's out there on the market now must be okay because right. government is taking care of them. If the government's stopped regulating the banks and people had to actually fend for themselves with regard to this behavior, I think they would start doing it. Oh. Uh, you know, But now what are they doing? They're treating every bank as if every bank in the world is out there to try to take advantage of people. And
0: and what I think, again, because the government is out there to take advantage of people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so they're projecting. It really is that. They think we're all, uh, they need to believe that we are all as corrupt as they are. They need to believe that in order to get away with what they're doing and in order to quote-unquote profit on the side.
1: I would say the more that Washington is doing what it's doing as well, of course. I mean, people all know this, that it just attracts a certain type of person that is going to be able to live in that environment and look at themselves in the mirror. This, this, this is why as much hope as I would have in someone like a Rand Paul or a Ted Cruz or whatever, yeah. it's, it's little. It's, it's very little hope. And like I said, here's Daniel Mitchell. Making government smaller. It's not smaller. It is reducing government to its proper scope, to its proper function of protecting individual rights. That's what we need to do. And, you
0: know, who speaks that language today? Even the term individual rights. Sometimes they say individual liberty. Who even speaks that language today? It's it's never about freedom or liberty anymore. It's really not. It's about helping others, and even the right guy gets into the crap sometimes.
1: And, and it, it's a whole difference. Like State Defiance in the chat room says that Rush does raise money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. So him, you have to give. It. But, that's great, and I have not, no, that, that, I have no problem with private charity. Absolutely
0: not. But, at but all. I was talking about the show. Why I can't listen anymore. Yeah. And I'm not going to listen because he does that. You know what I mean, I'm not going to listen because he he does charity for leukemia. He's just unlistenable. Uh, he is. I mean, he's just too. It's arrogant, is what it is, and he goes, it's not it's arrogance, it's confidence, it's arrogance, it's unlistenable. But anyway, and Mark Levin is uh, is overall, I think, the best of the mainstream, popular ones.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, I was just saying, don't put your hand in front of your face when you talk, so oh, okay. people can understand you a little better. I was
0: looking at my hand, though. Is my anyway? Yeah. <laughs> is that random?
1: It is very random. Powerful. Let's go ahead and go on to some positive things because I think that was very depressing. So <laughs> yeah. we have our government basically stealing from us all the time, yeah. Fat Cats in Washington getting rich on it. They
0: think that's their job, and, and they're doing a hell of a job. I the, mean, you got to give them that, though. I mean, if that's their job, they're doing a hell of a job, right? <laughs>
1: They see it as their job oh, or part of their job, rape,
0: or,
2: or rape, they, they see it pillage.
1: as a, you know what they do. They see it as a deserved perk of their no job. No doubt about it. A deserved Absolutely. perk of their job. It's just like Al Gore when they used to say, "Oh this, well, this what's, what's, what's Al Gore's carbon footprint?" Well, he's going around the world in his jet or yeah. whatever, you know, releasing all the carbon gases. I'll, he's doing that to I'll save say, the world. I was
0: saying something about, about Al Gore. Uh, everywhere he goes, he's warm. You know, everywhere he goes, it's warm here, and then people say, "Well, it's I think it's you, Al." Mm-hmm. I think yep. it's you, my man. That's right. It's warm. I, he's sweating everywhere he goes. It's like, I think you're twice as big as you used to be, my man.
2: Anyway.
1: As, uh, as I was finding the link to that last Cato piece, I found this piece on the Cato blog, and it is ending the year on a positive note. It so says, throughout the year, we are constantly bombarded by bad news, stories about hunger, violence, oppression, and illness. You know, it's funny. Those are not the ones that I focus on. I, feel, I always focus no. on the ones where the government, which is, again, government is potentially and is actually right now, I think, the biggest source of rights violations of American Absolutely. people. So that's where I focus most of my negativity, yeah. I guess, is what you would call it. But there are, of course, these other stories as well. Um, and, it, and it, he says, you know, true enough, for far too many people, 2013 was not a good year. He says, we must, however, distinguish between the stories of individual unhappiness and disaster and long-term trends, which are, on the whole, positive. Over the last couple of weeks, a number of stories pointed to these positive developments, and I include them uh, below. One of them is the NPR morning edition, Tired of Doom and Gloom, The Best Good News of 2013, Uh, crack.com, the five amazing pieces of good news. Nobody is reporting. I'm going to skip over NPR and let's look at cracked. What do you think about that?
0: (laughs) Cracked has been having some pretty good stuff, actually. Pretty funny.
1: Cracked might be better than an NPR, uh, you know, government funded source. I think I'll just skip right over that one. Uh, it says, if you share an uplifting link with somebody on Facebook, a video of an act of human kindness captured on camera, um, the response right. is usually the same. I skipped over something here. <laughs> nice to see that there are still heartwarming stories in this awful world. In other words, any positive news or trend is treated as the exception. And everybody thinks that the overall arc of civilization is clearly downward. Only problem, says this Cracked article, is that it's absolutely not true.
0: Now, first crack first is, of all, Cracked is humor.
1: Number five, crack seems to think that we are closing in on world peace.
0: World Islam. You know. yeah. Islam is peace.
1: It says, uh, 20th century has been the most violent in human history. They had the two, two world wars, et cetera. They say, the good news, even with the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, the first decade of the 21st century saw the number of annual battle deaths at its lowest ever in history. Uh, battle deaths.
0: Yeah, but that's… What,
1: define battle you deaths.
0: You know what? Eh. I, I would stop reading because uh, the fact is, under Obama, a lot more Americans died than the last few years, than, than under Bush. A okay, lot no, more, because it doesn't give a damn.
1: Yeah, number four, I would say, is good news. Teens are less likely to smoke, drink, or do drugs than ever before.
0: I mean, this is a humorous site, so I don't know if they're just making jokes. I, I hope that's true, but, you know.
1: I think that's good.
0: They had a zombie there.
1: Oh, oh no, we're getting more tolerant?
0: Of what, of evil? Oh no, of big government? number
1: three is we're getting more tolerant.
0: This is not to be respected, I think. Uh, that's a bad link.
1: It says, uh, if compared to an ideal world free of prejudice, the current state of things is a shameful walrus orgy of a disaster. If compared to the actual world at any point in the past, that's things look we're doing, pretty though. effing good. They yeah, that's
0: not what we're doing, We, we don't have to go 1,000 years. Oh, it's better than 1,000 years ago. We don't have to go there.
1: So it says we're tolerating interracial marriage, and we are also more likely to accept neighbors of different races than other countries. What about gay marriage? We've come pretty far with that, they say. So okay, I guess that's decent as well. I, I mean, look what they just did in India, right? In India, they reinstituted a law that banned gay sex. What? Yeah, I don't know that. Now literacy.: How do you
0: do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? well, how do you do that?: You
1: have the little iPhone in the bedroom,
0: right? say, <laughs> no, how do you do that? You know what I mean, it's like, OK.:
1: Literacy is at an all-time high. Says number two. Of course, I saw another article that said that hardly anybody reads books after they get through high school and college, and that's really all the government cares about is literacy yes. that they can demonstrate in high school, and college. Yes. But who actually reads to get information anymore? I don't know. Uh, so now we're in the most literate world ever. What's yeah. number one? Worldwide poverty is dropping at a shocking rate. Is number one. I
0: mean, I don't know about that. Uh, Americans are becoming, you know, <laughs> less wealthy, more more poor. Under Obama, I, I mean. I, I mean we're we Well I you
1: mean, know, in
0: terms of globally you, you then you're gonna mess around with the numbers. Talk about the industrialized nations, talk about the uh, the most the, the wealthiest of nations. I mean that's when you start to really know who and what.
1: Well the other thing you could think about is that because there's been more redistribution of wealth mm-hmm than if you just look at poverty the most right. you know the, the number at the very very bottom right. under hey, whatever the arbitrarily yeah right
0: they have more but, money they have more of others money than they used to but how know? much
1: wealth destruction has taken That's place in order to achieve that right? they
0: have they there's more theft going on guys so there's less poverty you know
1: so i skipped over npr Crack, more, wait more crack.com. global
0: theft equals less global poverty is that is that the, the gist of what they were saying <laughs>
1: State Defiance in the chat room says, Have a great new year, Amy and Bosch. You we'll too. just keep kicking some ass year. in two thousand fourteen till the job is done. We will definitely do <sighs> that. Here here's the thing, right? You know, I'm gonna look at these lists and I'm gonna nitpick because my idea of what is good news is different from what these ideas are. But I have a no-fail piece of good news at the very end of the program notes for today at don'tletitgo.com. So if you hang on for a minute, you'll get to see exactly what that is. It is something that will interest you. Okay. But it doesn't have to do with you.
0: Oh. No, how can it
1: Here's here's uh Ron, is this uh oh Richard Ron. No, he's a different one. There's another Will Ron is an editor at one of the conservative yeah. publications. This is Richard Reason. Richard Ron at the Washington Times, R. A. H. N. And he says, If you think things are bad that you might be consoled in knowing that most things for most people on the globe were never better than in two thousand thirteen. Uh, Now here here's some actual decent news. This is the uh, excuse me Washington Times. The good news is is most people are living longer with more real income and more security than they did a year ago, a decade ago, or at any time in history. Global personal safety is at a record high. The number of people killed in wars last year was at most a few thousand. Mm, I don't like that.
0: I don't like that. I don't like that measure
1: because then they don't talk about the friendly fire in Afghanistan. And also in
0: terms of the world wars, those were you know millions dead. I mean, well, there aren't millions dead now, so that's better. It sucks.
1: Iran's about to get a nuke. That's so I, I, just, I just don't. Stupid. The, the, that's that things. Life expend- expectancy is highly correlated with economic well-being and the quality of medical care. Global poverty is diminishing at a very rapid rate and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so there's a lot of the same stuff. Um, airwaves are crammed with doom. They say, despite Obamacare and the Federal Reserve, most Americans did live a little better in 2013. The world economy grew faster than the American economy. Okay, so that's the other people, uh, which means that most people's lives other improved. I, this, this doesn't even make any sense. This is nonsensical. No. Look at this. It says, the fact is, despite Obamacare and the Federal Reserve, most Americans did live a little better. Then, the very next What's sentence – I I want the proof. And the next sentence is: the world economy grew faster than the American economy, which means most people's lives improved, particularly those living in the high-growth economies of Southeast Asia. How does that affect? Mm, eh, eh, eh. Eh. Okay, I'm not convinced. No. So, so, does anybody have real list of awesome good news? Atlantic.com. I'm not even going to go there. No. I'm sorry, I give up. Let's go back to what the
0: about the Pope. You're going to invoke the Pope for what? <laughs> I mean, really, for what? I don't know. No, no, no. They were, they were looking to what the Pope said, as if that matters.
1: Oh, because the Pope was saying that things are terrible, and they're saying no, it's really not that terrible. I can. T-
0: well, the you know, Pope was saying that Islam is great and capitalism is terrible. That's what the Pope's saying, and that's worth noting for for whom?
1: Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Let's let's actually find that real quick here, because we'll just see what the Atlantic is up to. And who knows, NPR might actually be the best of all those lists, which I'm starting to wonder maybe that's true. Mm. If you you've listened to NPR right and sometimes they actually have decent Wait, stuff uh, government radio I know
0: yeah uh, once out of ten times is something no. decent I that know. they have nothing that they s- mistakenly trip over right. a topic and they might talk some sense about it uh, the guy who's not in the government might say something worthwhile yeah you mean the government workers who work there the government anchors and the, and the government hosts no
1: so the point the point of this Atlantic piece, I guess because they're more secular and the Pope is religious, it says the dystopian world that Francis describes, without citing a single statistic, is at odds with reality, appeals to our fears, and blah, blah, blah. Um says unbridled, quote, unquote, unbridled capitalism has enriched a few but failed the poor is what he says, uh, you know, majority, blah, 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 and then um, – Just how free the market is today is really debatable. Well, at least they say that. The United States is perceived as the paragon of free market capitalism, and yet over the last two decades, there are 81,883 regulations, or nine per day. That's the rate of regulations per day. Uh, Maybe the marketplace should be regulated less, but it's not unbridled, he says, uh, moreover, the government redistributes 40% of all wealth and blah, blah, blah. Well,
0: you know, this guy, the po- this Pope gets a lot of press. Why do you think? Because the left agrees to him in a lot of ways. He's very liberal. He's very leftist for a Pope.
1: Now this one, I don't see that he's saying that things are good. Um, there's a dramatic fall in global poverty. Okay. So they're all saying the same thing. Uh,
0: Iran hasn't nuked us. You know, that's good. Right. Iran hasn't nuked us yet. That's good.
1: But Obama vetoes a bipartisan. Yeah, okay. to so,
0: allow them to nuke. So
1: should I, should I give NPR a chance?
0: Uh, government? I
1: this know. Is government crap. Here we go. NPR. NPR. Imagine
0: what went into picking this list by these hacks, sitting there and drinking okay, their government, okay, uh, government eating eat their government cheese and talking about this. Come on.
1: Here's a look at a few areas of real progress in U.S. and around the world. This is according to NPR. They have to reach. Air safety. Start with flying. It's not a lot of fun. Baggage fees, pat-downs, cramped seating.
0: Sorry, one second. Flycash so like says, the Pope is a product of Latin America. What else do you expect him to say? I'm a product of Islam. Mm?
1: You say something different. Yes, That's right. completely different. Definitely. Yeah, he, he could have free will as other yeah, people. It's, it's like Obama
0: was raised by communists
1: and Muslims. He didn't have to become one. You know. It says, the odds are remarkably good that you will land safely when you fly. For a person who boarded a flight anywhere in the world earlier this year, the chance of being killed in an accident is about 1 in 15 million. What does that mean when we're up in the air? At that rate, one in fifteen million, you'd go approximately forty thousand years, taking a flight every single day before you would, on average, succumb to a fatal crash. So that's
0: so pretty. So, nice. but what the, what what didn't happen? Okay. Um, no, so see, are they're, they're saying this didn't happen, and well, there were the, less casualties also. And they but were, they're saying on. that
1: airline safety is. What I'm saying, better. they're
0: reaching. They're trying to create something good when we're in a pretty damn bad way right now. You know, they're just trying to reach. And it's it's terrible. Give us some achievements. Give us some something truly great.
1: How about fewer cancer deaths? I guess. Fewer cancer due deaths. Due to
0: med- medicine, due to what?
1: Well, right. And then the question is, is this going to be true after Obamacare? Yes. But fewer cancer deaths this year, so we can That's be happy good, about that. That's good, but what
0: we're like saying is terrib- that, those terrible things didn't happen as much as they usually do. That's a good thing?
1: Now I, then they, technically,
0: I guess, but what great happened?
1: Now, then they say, here's one, stronger economies in sub-Saharan Africa. And I say, okay. That's cool, but why? Yeah. Right. Has that growth, that so-called growth, been at the expense of everybody else?
0: Yes, it's very, very likely.
1: Why is it that it's happening? That's what I want to see.
0: African, you you know, African dictators get a ton of money from the world, so they might, they might have gotten more money from the world, quote unquote, than other years. What does that mean? That's all they Has have, a big production That's there. all
1: they have to tell us. No,
0: but that's what I'm saying.
1: Flight safety, <laughs> listen, less, fewer listen. deaths from cancer. Yeah,
0: but, no, fewer deaths from a, a, good from economy a from plane economy but fewer, we don't know why. No, but fewer plane deaths, crashes, fewer cancer. You know what? We had a great year. Come on. Come on. And that's all they got. Come on. I mean, seriously. And me and you right now, if we say what great things happened this year.
1: You know what? We are going to be out of time in two seconds. What I want everybody to do is go to my blog at Don'tletgo.com and watch the Sherlock preview episode yeah. called Many Happy Returns, and that will no doubt put you in the proper mood to ring in the new year on a positive note. Everybody, we've got to go. Uh, take care, and we will talk to you in 2014. Bye.